That could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. You got the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern day Yoda. I'm your hubbubber. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. 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 Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, January 8th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you from the world famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Cards fans, if you're looking to advance your career without interrupting it, you can do just that with UofL's 20 month professional MBA, the program designed for busy working professionals. Combine the experience of a top rated program with the convenience of evening classes that accommodate your schedule. Get connected with industry experts, expand your professional network, and hone your business acumen if this sounds fantastic to you. Get started today by visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the United States of America and beyond. You know us better as the big X. Mike Rutherford here. Trevor Kelsey not here. Decided the you know a full work week in 2024 was just too much for him. Had to bow out. But we do have... Assuming his place, the very capable Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, here with us on this Monday afternoon. Scoots, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Uh, happy to be here, back with you all. Sorry uh, to Scoots Hater. Uh, he's going to be pretty ticked off today. Scoots Hater will be active yeah, on the text line. He's going to be mad that I'm here, but <laughs> I'm here, and there's nothing you can do about it, pal. But, Mike, I will apologize to you up front. I was pretty checked out this weekend in terms of the sports world. Oh, boy. It was one of those things I, I kind of really forgot that I was supposed to do this show with you this week, and I definitely did not watch the Louisville game, although looking at that final score probably grateful I didn't I was gonna say here's the good news for you people don't come to the show anymore for like Louisville sports talk (laughs) pretty much fair enough it's at least when it comes to like the the actual games nobody wants to hear us talk about the pit game we're gonna talk about it nobody wants to hear that so we'll keep it brief and we'll try to make it fun and and discuss any of the fun elements that are possible people come to the show like the text line says this every day they only want to hear if there's a new coaching update. Like, like they, they just want to know, what are you hearing on the coaching front? Like, like that's, that's it. And then Trevor's saying something stupid for, you know, 90 minutes. Like, that's, that's basically what people are listening to these days. They, you know, they don't... Man, that's sad. It is sad. And I was going to ask you today, because we find ourselves in the situation, and I called this about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, where I'm like, one, I thought Kenny Payne, there was a very solid chance that he may not make it to 2024. But then when he did... It was one of those deals where it's like, let's react to that news, but also, what the hell are we going to do for the next two and a half months? Because the basketball is, is done. The product on the floor is abysmal. It's been abysmal. It doesn't look like it's going to stop being abysmal anytime soon. You can't come on here after every single game and be like, 
well, let's break down, you know, Curtis Williams did this, and, you know, the, the turnovers were bad. Like it, It's the same thing every single game, and people are, are kind of tired of talking about it at this point. And, and in the same vein, people don't really care about previewing games anymore. It's not like, how does Brandon Huntley-Hadfield match up with this guy for, for NC State? Like, just n- nobody cares about that anymore. So you've been through some pretty dismal seasons as an Indiana fan mm-hmm. over yeah. the years. Yeah. When you were, and obviously you, know, you weren't doing media stuff during some of these, like the first couple seasons with Tom Crean when you're winning five games, ten games, and, and kind of just, it was, it was a little bit different. I feel like Indiana fans were, were ready for that and kind of rallied around the team a little bit, uh, whereas this has been just a utter, utter disappointment. But when you were in the throes of those seasons as an IU fan, what did you do? Like, like how did you make it? Th- did you check out completely? Did you were you looking for humor? Uh, wh- wh- how did you make it through those dire times? Well, here's the deal with with that whole situation is the fact that Tom Crean had had success. Right. I mean, we we seen it was him different. Ha- exactly. So it was almost one of those things that you've got to be patient and just wait for it to happen. I mean, I was at every single home game when they won six games and ten games. I mean, I I, I was. God love you. Yeah, I, I was at every single one of them. Wouldn't miss it for the world. But I knew that brighter days were coming, and they and they did come. Not to the level that a lot of colleges, mo- mo- most notably Kentucky fans, would give me give me heat for saying this. But yeah, I mean they they rose to the occasion. They got to that number one seed, and then to- I mean Tom Crean ended up putting it all together. Eventually, it just it didn't work out in the end. But uh, patience. I used a lot of patience to answer your question. Well, I think U of L fans are. Like the they next, shouldn't be patient. The next good thing that's going to come for us, like you, you, you were saying, like it's just you knew Cream was going to get there. It was yeah. just we got to struggle through a couple of seasons. Exactly. Let's just get through it. I think Louisville fans are like we have to struggle through this season to get to a coaching change to get to, get to something exciting. So you know, you were just supportive. Was what you did. You, exactly. You, you, like you, you yeah. lived with the ins and the outs. You watched every game. You just you, you cheered for the best. I feel like. It's similar situations in that we're both we were both just trying to get through seasons, but it's different in that like, like you were building towards the future with the current administration, like with, with the current staff. Right. Whereas we're like, let's just get through this. We don't care if we really win or lose because it's it's all going to the same place. Well, like, and players let's just get this too. Done with. Players too. In that perspective, that's that's very fair point. I mean, we had we started we were getting guys off the streets when when Tom Crean first got there and. It was almost it was almost made that fun, you know, that we got to watch those guys grow up and they got better and better. And of course, Verdell Jones, the guy they got off the street, he ended up. And I actually don't know if he came from the streets, but he ends up having the past Christian Watford. The fact is, none of those players were any good, but they were improving. And I just I don't know that we've seen that with these Louisville guys. Is it's, that fair? Yeah, it's very fair. I mean, I, I think the similarities are in just how did you pass the day by day in in the winter when. Like you know, those IU teams, you weren't exactly staring at bracketology or you know thinking about what seed you were going to be or hey, what can we do to win the Big Ten tournament? You were just trying to get through it. But there was a, a stark contrast, and you you guys could look at players that you had and be like, hey, he's getting better. Just wait until we see this guy as a junior or a senior. Like you can see how Tom Crean's system may work here, how it may not work here. Whereas we're like, just you know, we don't care if anybody associated with the program right here is even here in, in two and a half months. We just want to get through this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a little bit different, but that's where we are. On that positive note is where we kick off today's show. No kidding. We've got to, there are positive things to talk about. I mean, Jeff Brom, Lord knows, I don't know if the timing was purposeful, but while Louisville's getting its brains kicked in at home by a bad pit team, the football program does land, I think, four 
guys in the transfer portal was at least three. Like during the game, it, it just kept <laughs> happening. I was like, please just keep it coming, keep it, keep it coming. Uh, and then today, a couple more names uh, out of the transfer portal, a couple big names. We're basically trying to take Tennessee's entire secondary from last year, which I'm fine with. Um, so we'll, we'll have that to talk about. It is national championship game Monday. We'll get excited for Washington versus Michigan. Uh, we had a, a unfortunate news from the world of U of L men's basketball as well today. Jerry Jones passing away, the longtime Cardinal assistant. U uh, of L women, another solid weekend for them. We can get into that um, and just some general stuff. NFL playoffs are happening. The Lions now we know who they're playing. We know where they're going. The Ravens, of course, have the off week. Um, we'll get excited about the the former cards that are partaking. In the NFL playoffs this year, before we do any of that, though, you kind of glossed over it. Scoots, you weren't watching a lot of sports this weekend. What were you up to? Uh, so I had a lot. I had three broadcasts this weekend, including Woo! a doubleheader at Midway on Saturday. So that started at one. So I missed the Louisville and Kentucky game. I did get to check out the Indiana game because it was at eight o'clock that night. So I, I did watch that. I got a little bone to pick with you on and that then, one. And um, then I, I had a great betting weekend. I, I told you I just need to stick with college basketball. Uh-huh. But I did one of those like just kind of Hail Mary parlays where it's like, hey, seven teams, we'll throw 20 bucks on it. If you win, you win like 1800 bucks. Mm-hmm. I hit all six legs, except I had Ohio State covering over Indiana. Well, that's on you. Why, why is that a bone to pick with me? That's just you being dumb. <laughs> I, I thought Indiana at home, you're going to bet against that? That's I, ignorant. I, I think Indiana, I thought Ohio State was one of the more underrated teams in the country going into that game. Mm. And I didn't realize they were a little shorthanded. Yeah. Not, and it looked good, good for at the beginning. Like I could have cashed out for like for like 600 bucks because Ohio State was up in the first half. I had some other games going on at the same time. And then... It just did. Uh, uh, it crushed me a little bit. You want to know what happened to me last week, gambling wise? Yes. So I got a phone to pick with you, actually, not with you, with Trevor. So I was listening. I, I don't remember which day it was, but I was listening if, to if your you're old show. About the Arizona pick. It's on you. You, you got to no, know. No. A okay. Pick. So no. Here's the here's the deal with that. So I was like, all right, Mike likes Oregon State. Mike likes it was James Madison. I think it was Oregon and James Madison. Yeah. So I bet those two, and I got down to that Arizona Colorado game, and I was like, man, Trevor was bragging an awful lot about how he's hit two in a row and i had that moment where i was like man i should i should no. fade trevor nope i went with trevor he also called them buffalo when he was announcing that's the true he did confirmed was, yeah i went home I, I looked at the game and i was like i think arizona's gonna win this by like 40 points and i and went ahead i went ahead and upped the, i upped the line to like minus 15 from 13 and took arizona and that was the best night I had this past. Hang week. on, time out. You said they, you thought they were going to win by forty, and you only took it up two points. Well, forty, I'm hyperbole. I'm exaggerating a little bit. I, I didn't think they were going to win by, but you know, you never know. Like games like that, teams can take their feet off the gas, and you, you can be up That's by twenty seven at halftime, and you can have this weird cover. So I felt like fifteen was safe, but I, I went up there, made money on that, did clean up with. Uh, I, I've made more money off Minnesota than any team in college basketball this year. I think they lead <laughs> the country in covers. And people just haven't adjusted. I took them to beat Maryland over the weekend. Uh, I think it was yesterday. They won on that. Took them on that night on Wednesday with James Madison. And, Man, and Maryland stinks. Maryland's not good. Maryland is not good at all. And you know, I don't know if they're going to be good. Poor Kevin Willard looked like maybe he had something. Um, was it last year? And not so much this year. They're they're off to a little bit of a rough go. But so besides that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Besides that, what what was the weekend like? Uh, I had to work yesterday. Uh, luckily it was a pretty easy day. Didn't have to do too much. So I, I don't know. I didn't watch a whole lot of fun. I was, I was just checked out. I, here's the deal. So the Steelers win. I did watch the end of that game. I got home in time to catch the end of the game. So I was super pumped, was, was all excited. But then I just, I, I didn't really want to watch football the next day. I mean, the, the game that was on TV was Cleveland and what, Cincinnati. Yeah. And that, I didn't want to watch that well, at all, and the Minnesota, other one was not good either. It was Minnesota Detroit. So I, yeah, I just I was watching. I worked. I didn't watch them. It was yeah. 
I don't know. It was kind of, you know, the, the last week of the and NFL, the, the extra week now, it's just become sort of like a extra bye week. Well, and then you had, so you had the Jags lose in that one o'clock slate. So by the time I got off work, it was already like, well, Steelers are in. I don't really have to pay attention to football for the rest of the day, which kind of sucked because I was really looking forward to that Buffalo-Miami game because I needed a Buffalo loss in that game as well. But once the Jags lost, which I didn't even think was a possibility, I just I lost all interest. It didn't matter at that point. Steelers were already in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a... I mean, they're not going to do anything, but... They're not, but just they, knowing that they're ends fun. Exactly, you know, you, crazy stuff could happen. You never know. The from my perspective, I had a weird, weird Lions fan Sunday. I think everything that could have gone wrong just about went wrong for the Lions. I didn't want to play the Rams. I was hoping to play. I said this on Friday. I was hoping to play TJ's Packers. I know they beat us on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I still think they're the the more vulnerable of those two teams. That you know, the Rams. One, you got the Stafford element. I don't want any part of that. Like the the old hero of the franchise coming back to play his old team. Why is it only about Stafford and not golf too? Because Stafford was like. He he was the Lions for like eleven years. No, I understand. And then that, he left and won tra- a Super Bowl. They traded straight up for him though, and it, nobody's talking about Jared Goff. It's annoying to me. The, I mean, they are talking about golf, but it's more about Stafford because one, because he was with the Lions longer, and then two, he doesn't do anything. Like, he never wins a playoff game with the Lions in his first year as a non-Lion. He goes and wins the Super Bowl. I think I think it's a little bit different. I mean, he was you know number one pick. He was a, he was a big like we we built the franchise around that guy, and now he's coming back. I don't want to play his team. They, you know they they what they've won like seven in a row, like, something crazy. Like they're the hottest team in football. I don't want any part of that. And of course. You know, they wind up winning uh, in the, the closing seconds against San Francisco to get the sixth seed. It, that's annoying. Two, I didn't know how to feel about, and, and I think Lions fans are torn on this as well. So they were pretty much locked into the three seed, regardless of what happened yesterday. They needed it was like a three percent chance that they could get the two seed if they won their game, and they needed both the the Cowboys who were playing the Commanders and the Eagles who were playing the Giants to lose. Uh, not 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 the Eagles. The, uh, the the Cowboys needed to lose, and then well, I guess it was the Eagles. Cowboys uh, played Washington. Yeah, the Commanders, and and then the Eagles needed to lose the Giants. So both those yeah. things had to happen. Two two you know, you know the Eagles kind of suck now, but still two good teams playing two bad teams, and so Dan Campbell chooses to play all of his starters. He said it was partially because they had a chance to move up in the playoff rankings, but also he felt like they hadn't played clean football the last couple of weeks. They wanted to clean some stuff up. Which, you know, on the surface, I'm like, eh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this, but okay. Well, we had three key players get hurt in the game. Especially mm-hmm. uh, especially of note, Sam Laporta, who's you know, set every rookie tight end receiving record this awesome. year. And we'd have no other tight ends. Like, like, the two backup tight ends are hurt. So we would have to go down to, like, a practice squad guy. And, like, the, the way his leg bent did not look good. Campbell said today that he's got an outside shot of playing this week but did say that they're talking about days and not weeks. Still not very good news when you're trying to win your first playoff game since 1991. Um, cornerback go down. At one point, Amara St. Brown had his ribs hurt. Like It, it was just – and at that point, we're winning like 20-6 to six too. I was like, take the damn starters out, Dan. Like, this game, it's not worth risking your playoff run for potentially a 2% chance of being the two seed instead of the three seed, which was super annoying. But it all goes back to what I was complaining about this time a week ago, which was Brad Allen, the referee who screwed the lines against the Cowboys. If he just makes the right call, then you know we, we force the 49ers to play their starters. And if they lose that game to the Rams with their starters, 
guess what? We're the one seed. We got to mm-hmm. buy. Um, and at the very least, we should have been the two seed. We should have had a chance to. We would have played the Packers and then hosted the divisional round uh, against Dallas instead of potentially having to go back to Dallas, where they've been so much better than they have been on the road. The whole thing is just NFL's fixed. It's rigged. <laughs> the world's out to get us. And now, like with all these guys hurt and us not playing particularly well the last couple of weeks and having to play the Rams with Stafford, my confidence level that I'm going to see the first NFL playoff victory for the Lions since I was six years old is kind of low. And I'm uh, I'm upset about it. Well, my team's not going to win either, for what it's worth. We're yeah. double digit underdogs. I don't feel bad for you though, Scoots. You've seen so what? much in your life. That's true. You've seen you've seen I so. Have. I mean, I haven't seen the team play a home playoff game since 1991, which is the last time that they won a playoff game. Not a single one. Period. Not a single one. They have not played a single home playoff game since 1991, which is why the get the, the tickets for this game, Lions Rams, which is going to be the, the Sunday night game, are outrageous. The cheapest ticket to get in to Ford Field to watch the Lions play the Rams is $552. What? The next most expensive game is Packers-Cowboys. The cheapest get-in price there is $336. I don't know how anyone can afford to go to these games, but Lions no. fans have been going nuts all year. They've been like, you know, the easiest ticket for Lions fans to get has been you know, road game, and they've kind of taken over a bunch of stadiums. This is the year that we've been waiting for for a long time. I just, my goal going into the year was at least one playoff win. I felt like we should do it, and then as the team started off so hot, I was like, this is the year. I don't think we're Super Bowl contenders yet, unless some crazy stuff happens, but I do think they should win at least one playoff game, and now that it's here, I'm terrified of having my heart broken. I'm terrified. It's all I've got left. I mean, you know, Louisville basketball is not getting me anywhere. No. like Women's basketball, is they're good. I don't know if they're legit national title contenders, and we've got like four months until the Reds start, so like I need this. I need at least one more week to get excited about Lions football. Man, by the way, that video that they put together for women's basketball, that was awesome. It was, for the thousands of wins. That win. was awesome. It was yeah. very cool. Yeah. They, they, uh, I'm excited about the women's team. I hope that they can, you because know, you know, it's not like, I think the UConn game was just a a little bit of a wake-up call for that team that they're not quite in that top tier. They're very good, they've, and they've been really good since. They've beaten two ranked teams since that game, and we'll know more when they play the best teams in the ACC coming up in February. But like, if you want to kind of know that you have at least an outside shot to win a national title, and I think this women's team, very good shot at making a seventh straight Sweet 16, which is crazy. Sure, I mean, if stuff breaks your way, you have a decent shot at uh, going to a sixth straight Elite Eight, which is also crazy. But I just don't know if they're ready for like the – the LSU's, the Yukons, the, you know, the 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 NC States of the world, which we'll find out the, the last of those coming up in February. But it's still going to be excited to follow them. The men's team, it's going to be more about hey, what, what coach have you heard is, is interested in the job, and that'll be fun, I guess. I tell you what, I've months. Indiana women, they have just got, they've gotten good like the last two or three years, and man, I've gotten pretty invested in them, and that's Grace been a Porter. lot of fun. Yeah. Well, she's gone, but she was a beast, though. Sacred she was Heart. a beast. Yeah, no, they've got a really good team. I think they play Iowa this weekend, so that'll be fun. I saw they beat Nebraska yesterday. I saw a little bit of the highlights mm-hmm. on the, the news. Yeah, they're they're very good. Look, women's basketball in this area, and Kentucky got good for a brief period. Now they've kind of fallen back. I mean, truthfully, when I go to Midway and and call the games, I, I enjoy the women's games more than the men's games. I just I feel like it's a better brand of basketball. It's more, they're more clean. I don't know. Is is that that might be crazy, but. You sound like John Wooden. That's what he used to say. Did he? He liked uh, watching the women's game more. Yeah. The, the fundamentals were more sound. Uh, yeah, fundamentals. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. This is where, so my my men's basketball fandom, this is, I'm going to tell the story, and it's it makes me sad just thinking about it. This is this is where I've, I've gotten to. I had the happiest time watching U of L men's basketball that I've, I've had in, in like two or three years in the last 24 hours because I had a dream 
<laughs> I had a dream that we were beating the absolute brakes off of Kentucky. Like, and I was over, I was at my parents' house. I don't know why, but like my wife was there too. Like, we were, I guess we were like having like a, a watch party over there. And we were up by like 29. And like, we're dunking and going crazy. And I'm, I'm like, I think it was like a shock because I don't think that we were supposed to be good, but it made it even sweeter and all this stuff. And like, I'm thinking about all these like tweets I'm going to craft. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Like, they deserve it. And I'm like, I'm like going nuts and like all this stuff. And then I woke up and I've never been more sad to wake up from a dream. <laughs> in re- and I'm, you know, they're, they're, like, like, like everybody, I've had great dreams that I've been sad to wake up from. But this one, just, just waking up and realizing after those first five seconds of like, what, what was that? What was going on? That I don't have anything like that to cheer for for a long time was so sad. But I, I, I did. I'm now dreaming about us beating Kentucky and playing competent basketball, and it's the closest that I get to feeling like an actual fan again. And if anyone wants to rehear that story, I can pretty well guarantee that's going to be a staple on KRC tomorrow. <laughs> it's fine. That's I mean, a fantastic story. I mean, I don't like. Look, I mean, again, <laughs> it's hard to like kick somebody when they're already dead. Like we're we're dead over here. Like, like you know you can. I'm I'm not over here claiming that we have anything good that we're we're fighting back against UK. It is like why I'm still surprised that UK fans will still show up my mentions and be like, "You guys are a disgrace." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I, I mean, what you do you still get that though?" I it's still, like, really, not, not nearly it? as much okay. as I would like five, ten years ago or any other point in the rivalry history. But every now and then, like, you will like I'll make a self-deprecating joke, which is the only defense mechanism that I have anymore when it comes to basketball. And you'll have some UK fans who are like, you know. I, I can't believe you're even watching the game. So you guys are the, the disgrace of college basketball. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. Like, congrats. You have a top ten team. Go watch your top ten team. Leave us alone. We've got yeah, nothing I, else. to I say. I thought we had gotten to the point where it what just wasn't cool to make fun of Louisville anymore. It's no, it still is. It, it, it still is. We did have. I did also have a. This is the way that I guess we can talk. Start talking about the pick game. Um, a a a big show name from the past showed up over the weekend. And if you're active on social media. You probably know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you ever you listened to the show In and Out, uh, Scoots. I don't know if you remember the the Jan saga from like this time a year ago about how Jan would text, she tweet the show, she text the show, and just talk about how disappointed she was mm-hmm. in us being so negative. And you know, she's like, he's, he's not being a real fan and all this stuff. And you know, we kind of be, like, what would Jan do? Became a rallying cry for the fan base that yeah, listens to the show. It's ringing a bell a little bit. Yeah. Well, Jan was active again. Oh, oh, I disappointed her again on Saturday. <laughs> so if you watch the the UofL pit game, it started off with the maybe the worst sequence that I've ever seen from a Louisville basketball team at the beginning of a game. Like we we get the, we win the tip, we turn the ball over. We give up a wide open dunk. Our second possession, we Sky Clark literally loses the handoff exchange with Tyler Johnson. Pitt gets a steal. Tyler Johnson and Mike James put in the least amount of effort that I've ever seen two players do. Like, don't even make a business decision not to even contest a wide-open dunk. Boom, pits up 4 nothing. We call timeout. I simply tweet out, my God. That's all I said. Like Anybody who was watching the game knew exactly what I was talking about. It was such an embarrassing start. And then Jan saw this, and this was her last straw. She was done. <laughs> and she sent me a message saying, I've been a fan of yours for many years, way before your radio days. I stopped listening to your radio show last year, which she's told me, I think, 17 times over the last year. Now I'm unfollowing you. We all know how you feel about KP. Have some support for the players. This is tough for them, too. I get that it's tough for the players. I get that it's tougher. But, like, what am I supposed to do at, at this point? Do I only react to the positive players? Like, go get a mic. Like, Mike James hits a three and we're down by 11. Like, what? 
I don't I don't know what these people want. Not everybody's a beacon of positivity, Jan. I mean, not everybody. Like, there's no positive to take away from this. We just lost at home by 13 to a pit team that's not going to sniff the NCAA tournament, and we're sitting here being like, you know, it wasn't that bad. We played pretty well by our standards, which is true. We played pretty well by our standards, and we got housed by a pit team that if you know, six years ago they'd come within eight points of us, we would have spent the entire next day on the radio talking about what's wrong with this team. You've got to blow out these types of pit teams. And instead, you know, we lose by 13 in a game where we never really challenged them, and we're like, you know, they look pretty good, all things considered. It wasn't that bad. There's just not, like, unless you want to do that for the next two and a half months, and I can't, I cannot do it, <laughs> there's just nowhere for me to go. And so I'm, I'm, I hate to lose Jan. I'm sorry that she's, she's gone. I'm sorry that she's jumping ship. But... Maybe I'm not the follow for you right now because I'm just I, I'm not gonna. The only way that I can be nice during games is just by saying nothing, and I've done that a few times because it's just it's not really worth it. But Saturday I was locked into the game and it was embarrassing, and you know, I shared some thoughts. It was just uh, it, was, it was rough. How's the, how was the attendance? I mean, how do you think the attendance was, Scoots? I mean, do we have like an official number? I I'm sure we'll get the FOIA request. I'm sure they announced <laughs> it at like eight thousand. It, it was about where I think the last several games have been outside of Kentucky. About 43. Probably between four and 5,000 people. Yeah. And they were not loud. <laughs> they, they, they never got really a chance to get loud. I think Mike James had a nice little spurt where he did. He knocked down three shots in a row, and, and Pitt, thankfully, was not guarding him very well, and he was he was red hot. Like it was, Yeah, Pitt was running a zone, and the only guy we have on the floor who could shoot the ball, they were just kind of leaving him open, which I was fine with. And the problem was we didn't gain any ground. I think he went on like a personal 11-0 run, and we only made up two points because we refuse to guard Pitt on the other end. And that's the thing. Like we're never it, it's great when the offense gets going and the crowd gets kind of into it because we're scoring some points. We're never going to to beat anybody with a pulse because we just don't play defense. Just do not defend at all. And I mean, Pitt is just it's not a great offensive team and we're giving them wide open shots and everybody's like, you know, it's crazy how these bad shooting teams just shoot the lights out against us. And I'm like, "No, it's not." Because <laughs> If you're a 28% three-point shooter in college, you're probably a guy who's going to make 40% of shots that are totally unguarded. And so 35% shooters become 50% shooters against us, and 31% shooters become 45% shooters against us because we don't guard anybody. We leave you wide open, and it happened again on Saturday, and as a result, we lost by 13 to, again, a, a pit team that's not very good. Um, it's uh, it, it's all sad. But again, I was sad to, to lose Jan. You get revenge or a revenge chance? I don't know why I'm saying that's so weird. Revenge? You're putting the emphasis on the wrong no collateral. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, we do play Pitt again at their place on February 17th. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how much revenge is going to happen. Chance for revenge. Uh, I mean, it's a Pitt. We've won 17 of 18 against Pitt before the last four games, and we've now lost four straight by an average of 20 points per game. Which just, uh, you know, it's not shocking anymore. Uh, Louisville, by the way, with the loss, they fall to number 220 on Ken Palm. We are flirting with getting down there in the range where we were a year ago. Which, I, I mean, I guess technically this is progress. I think we finished last season at 290, which is just unconscionable. But 220, we just we, we started the season at 109. 109. And we've fallen over 100 spots yet again. Uh, it doesn't get any easier. The Cards will take on Miami on Wednesday on the road. Uh, that'll be tough. And then Saturday against NC State. Not a very good NC State team. I guess you have something of a chance to win that game. Probably not. Those uh, see, those series stats you just threw out remind me of the Jets and Patriots. Did you see that stat? What was it? I think the Patriots had beat the Jets, I want to say, 16 straight times. And they got beat in Belichick's last game, potentially. We are on kind of a Patriot run here. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, it 
it's uh, it's 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 not getting any better. I mean, think about that though. They beat the Jets twice a year for eight straight years. That's incredible. That is nuts. That is wild. Let's take our first break. When we come back, I've got a couple other hoops thoughts to get to. Then we'll talk better news, which is Louisville's football prowess in the transfer portal. Jeff Braun, the Portal King, reigning some more here. It's a Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show with Justin Kalen here on 1450 Welcome back in Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. 1450 961 The Big X. Scoots, I did just uh, turn my phone off, turn it back on because you were like, I sent you some texts. And like, I was get, I don't know, my phone's just acting up. But it did, when I turned it back on, it said like, New contact available for Scooter Dingus. It, it, would you like, you know, you can update your phone. Yeah. Like the, the preferred, it's like Justin Kaylin. I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> You're going to be Scooter Dingus on my phone forever. Yeah, no, that's how it should be. It does have your picture, though, the little avatar with the, the backwards yeah, hat, the tongue out. That got brought up this morning on KRC. TJ, yeah, doesn't, really? TJ doesn't think it looks like me. But I told him I, it's probably because I did it in the summertime and I was super tan at the yeah, time. It, it looks like, I mean, let's be real, it, it looks like an African-American. A light-skinned one. I mean, but that's I kind of get dark in the summertime. You also don't have a goatee. I normally do. This not looks, right now, I this, don't. This looks nothing like you. D- goatee has been my go-to look here uh, in the last probably five has years. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, I'm just growing the beard a little bit now. It still does not look like you. This looks like a black person. Or, I mean, pretend, it's, it's somebody with some sort of ethnic vibe. Well, last I checked, he, he put a poll up on Instagram and no was winning by... It was like seventy five to twenty five percent. It's not. It's it should be a hundred percent to no percent. Like it's it's not. It's <laughs> well, nothing like. It. I helped the yes because I voted yes. <laughs> uh, we are back here on a Monday edition of the show. Trevor Kelsey out today. Uh, Scoots is in the house. I think Scoots will also be here. What Wednesday, Thursday? Uh, that's the plan as of now. Yes. Tomorrow we got to figure out uh, what, what's gonna what's going on. You need to get somebody in. Yeah, we'll have to. going to have Gary. Or set up some interviews. We'll have to do something. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we have that going on. I am going to do a quick programming note. Uh, I'll be on the ACC Network tonight Hey-o. at 6.15. I'll do it right from here. And it was crazy. Like, they asked me, you know, I've done the show a few times now, and, and the guy hit me up yesterday and was like, we'd love to have you on the show. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be like basketball, Kenny Payne, all this stuff. He's like, we want to talk transfer portal football with you. I was like, That's, that sounds about more Perfect. right. Yeah, he's like, he's like, we will talk a little basketball. He's like, are you are you good with talking women's basketball? I was like, yes, I prefer it actually over the men. So uh, that'll be on, I'll be on at 6.15 there if you want to check out on ACCPM. Uh, it should be good. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line if you want to weigh in on anything that we're talking about today or whatever. It's a Monday. We're getting loose. Uh, if you had, if you have Golden Globes thoughts, hit us up. Uh, mm. I, I didn't know the Golden Globes was on last night. It was. It, it did kind of make me sad because I was a guy when when Mary and I first started dating, like 2009, 2010, that range. Like, like we would you know, we'd watch the Golden Globes. We we'd, we'd fill out the. You could print out the. The award list, and we'd make predictions. We kind of turn into like a little competition. We'd have friends over, and now I was like, one, I don't know like any of the movies or half the shows on the Golden Globes that are nominated because I don't. We don't just watch as much as we used to, and two, I didn't even know the guy who was hosting the Golden Globes last night, which is pathetic. I, I, I never heard of that guy. Hmm. Don't know about. It. He's a comedian. Apparently, he had a rough go of it. Was not very funny. Taylor Swift gave him the 
the mean face after he made a bad joke. And uh, that, that was like my that's my Golden Globes knowledge for today. Nothing. Yeah, I got nothing either. I, I did hear Barbie got upset in one category. Don't uh, remember what it was. Yeah, see, I, I know nothing. <laughs> I, I know nothing. I, I know nothing about nothing. Oppenheimer won the big boy. Did it? Yeah. Didn't even know that. Yeah. Shout out to Christopher Nolan. Uh, 502-414-1450, though, if you have thoughts there. Final th- thoughts on basketball, because we kind of just – I didn't talk about the actual game, which is fine. I don't we don't think, have to. I don't think people really want to. Yeah. But it was – I mean – I do want to talk about the post game though. We, we, we can do that. Um, I, I mean, Louisville, long and short uh, of the actual game itself, one, we found out over the weekend that we're going to be even more shorthanded than we already were. We knew Dennis Evans was gone for the year. We knew that, obviously, Trenton Flowers had left the team and we were dealing with some other injuries. But then we found out J.J. Trainer. Uh, done for the season, had worked really hard to get himself back, uh, then re-injured the shoulder during practice on Friday. He's done for the entire year, and that's uh, not a small loss. I don't think that having J.J. fully healthy like turns this into a team that was going to win you know, 10, 11 conference games or anything like that, but he was a guy who was averaging double figures in scoring and was one of our better rebounders at 5.5 rebounds per game. And, and you know, one of the few guys in this team who I think you, the effort seemed to almost always be there, which is, you know, it's, it's something yeah, to, to say that. You shouldn't have to be saying that in year two of a, a new coaching era, but that's where we are right now. But we lost those guys. We're down to seven scholarship players for the game on Saturday, and, you know, it, it showed. The team looked bad. Eight, 18 total turnovers. Very careless with the ball. They shot it pretty well. I mean, they shot over 50% from the field for the game. And I did love, like, Kenny Payne coming out there and being like, you look at these numbers and you shoot, and you're like, how do we lose? I'm like, well, it's not that hard to figure out. You turned it over 18 times and you don't guard anybody. So that's uh, that's kind of the long and short of it. We let their their best offensive players take pretty wide-open shots. Blake Henson, very good three-point shooter. We let him take a bunch of outside shots that weren't overly contested. We gave a, bu- a bunch of uh, easy points off turnovers. Uh, we let Zach Austin go kind of nuts. Carlson Carrington is one of the better freshmen in the entire country. He filled the stat sheet as he typically does. We never make anybody do anything other than what they want to do. Like Team strengths are always accentuated against us. The, the best teams take away the best things that their opponents do. We never do that. If a team does something really well, they're going to do it really well against us. And, and Pitt, that was very much the case against us. They, they're a, a good offensive rebounding team. They out-rebounded us on the offensive glass by five. Um, we let them get 11 second-chance opportunities. It was just – there was nothing surprising about what you saw from this game, and I don't think that's going to be the case moving forward. Post-game, what caught your ear, Scoots? Hang on, real quick. First, okay. you mentioned the seven scholarship players. Does that change at any point soon? Well, they'll get Trey White is out. Oh, that's right. And Emmanuel Corfor okay. is out. Okay. Who Trey White? I mean, he's a starter. He's yeah. he's one of the bigger guys you brought sure. in from USC. I think he, you know, his presence will help. Even though I think, I don't think it's like an exaggeration to say that he's been something of a disappointment. He was the guy that we heard about throughout the summer as being the, this team's best player. He's going to lead them in scoring and all this stuff, and he just has not been. He's not been what we wanted him to be. I think. I think. I still think that his skill set. It, he's he's a good complimentary player. I think he could fit in great as like the third leading scorer or fourth leading scorer on a good team. The issue is we're not a good team, so we need him to be more of a focal point, and I don't think he has that type of game. And a core of four is he's a hustle guy, which, mm-hmm. which which we need a little bit. So those guys, I think, will be back. It sounds like 
Okorafor is dealing with a leg thing, and Trey White is dealing with a groin issue, which you know those can those can linger. But he probably he still will probably be back sooner rather than later. But we will get back to nine scholarship players. I don't think it will change that much, but that's where we are right yeah. now. No, I had forgot about those two guys. All right, so no post game, and I got to put a disclaimer out there. I didn't actually watch the post game or hear this quote. That's fine. It was kind of secondhand. So I just want, I kind of want the backstory. Did Kenny Payne really ask for walk-ons? Is that, did that really happen? It was in jest, pretty much. Was the was the was it taken out of context or? No, he got asked the question straight up. You know, with the the roster looking the way it is, like, have you thought about like adding additional walk-ons, having a tryout? And of course, Kenny was like, I haven't even thought about that. Which I, like, <laughs> I mean, come on, like, don't have, to, don't have to say those things out loud. But then he was he, he sort of said jokingly, you know, we we need players. If you know of anybody, like let me know. Like we'll we'll take them. And I I think it was kind of like it was like this. It was mostly a joke, but also okay. like you know I, I wouldn't be shocked if if there is a good player just like walking around campus. If Kenny Payne was like, hey, why don't you come play for the team? Well, and that's he's kind of gotten to that point, right? Where he's just it's almost everything's like a joke now. Because I mean, everybody could see the writing on the wall, including Kenny. He's not dumb. Yeah, I I think that it's. Every press conference, he just kind of regurgitates the same thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, we came out, we, you know, we did, then we did, we just stopped fighting, and that's on us, and it's on the players though too, and it's on, it's just, Eric Crawford unearthed something that he'd written, or I think a video piece that he'd done, on this day a year ago, and everything that he was saying in that video twelve months ago is totally applicable to right now, like, like the team just, they're not getting better. The coaching excuses are kind of the same. We never look that prepared. We never look like they, we never play as hard as the other team. It seems like, I mean, I do think the they don't play hard thing is a little bit overblown. I think they look like they're going through the motions sometimes because they don't know what they're supposed to do. Like, like when it's simple basketball stuff and it's straightforward, more times than not, like they're giving effort. I think they just don't have a a true grasp of what the system is and where they're supposed to go, which is on the coaching staff. And yeah, I mean, it, it's just. Every game feels the same. Every here's, press conference feels the same. Here's a fun hypothetical for you. If this year's team and last year's team play, what's the score? I mean, I think this year's team wins. You think so? I do. I mean, I guess maybe it depends. I don't know. I, I at least – last year's team only won those four games, but I think they at least tried harder than this team does. Maybe. I mean, I, I feel like I've already – I feel re- like I see more hustle from last year's team than I do on this one. I feel like I've repressed – all of last year, so I don't even really remember it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, Payne, after the game, talked about, you know, I don't want moral victories. I want us to play like that the whole game, the way we played in the first uh, beginning of the game. I told the guys, don't find new ways uh, to lose for me. Fight. I don't care if they have more talent than us. Fight every second you're on the floor. I don't want to play games, guys. I'm just going to be honest with you, where I got different guys missing from the game. I want every player who's, whose feet hit that floor to fight. I mean, you, he reeks of like the, the grade school football coach who like doesn't know football, who just constantly is like, you got to hit somebody. <laughs> hit, Come on, guys, you got to hit somebody. And it's like, at some point, you've got to have more than that. He just says, like, we have to fight a million times. Or, like, the I had a grade school basketball coach who very clearly, like, had never played basketball before. And he was just like, he, all he said during games was rebound. Like, if a shot went, I was like, rebound, <laughs> rebound. And I was like, okay, like, you know, come on, man. Like, you got to give me something else. And it's getting to that point with Kenny Payne where it's just like, it has to be a little bit more analytical at some point than just we got to fight. We, I agree, the fighting is, and this was actually a complaint that I had with Chris Mack a little bit. Like again, it feels I feel 
horrible for complaining about like a seven seed and a team that was going to be a three or a four seed. But even at the beginning, when we would lose games, he would just kind of blame it always on, you know, we don't have that dog. You know, you know, we, we, you know he, he looked over at Luke Murray in that one game where the camera caught him and said, like, our guys are so bleeping soft. And, like, you know, it was just, I was like, all right, you need, it has to be more than that, though. It can't just be, we got to be tougher. We got to be tougher. And now Kenny Payne's doing the same thing, except he's doing it with a, Nine and thirty-seven overall record, which now uh, we are two and twenty-two in the ACC in games under Kenny Payne. Yeesh. It's not getting any better. It's uh, not going to get any better. I mean, we may. What you, you said, Miami's the next game. Miami on Wednesday on the road. Man, I'm actually looking at some stats from them right now. What what does Louisville do against Omir? Like he's gonna go crazy. He will. I mean, the whole team will go crazy. Like we we won't defend them at all. Um, Norset Omir, he did. Play really well against us last year, if I remember correctly. I'm looking it up. Uh, 12 points. He was six or seven from the floor. But you know they had Jordan Miller, who also plays the similar type of game, who played really well against us. Uh, they beat us 80 to 53 the first time we played last year, and then 93 to 85 in the second game, which Louisville was actually kind of in that game. In that game, Norshad O'Meara was nine of ten from the free throw line and six of seven from the field with 21 points. Um, and then Nigel Pack scored 22 points in that game. So in two games against Louisville since transferring from from Arkansas State, Omir is 12 of 14 from the floor. Um, we don't put up much resistance around the rim, and that's especially true now without uh, without Dennis Evans. We have no true rim protector. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who's been the team's best player, I think, for most of the year, was kind of back into non-existent mode over the weekend. Kenny Payne, the camera caught him kind of yelling at him and saying, I think it was like, do you want a bleeping fight or or not sit, or sit down? And, and he kind of sat down. And then that was, <laughs> that was that. But yeah, Miami's a team that the analytics hate Miami, like yeah. relatively speaking. I think they're down at 46th in Ken Palm and, and around there in the net rankings. But they still recognize that they're a fantastic offensive team. And again, we don't guard anybody. So it, it, cool, we may have a decent offensive game by our standards, but I don't have any faith in Louisville's ability to to go out there and win that game. What do you see, Scoots? I mean, you, you know, you've watched this Louisville team enough to have an educated opinion on this. We've got 17 conference games left and then at least one game in the ACC tournament. How many more games does Louisville win this year, or do they win another game this year? Let me take a quick rundown the schedule, because I, I truthfully do not know who they beat, if, the, if that opportunity even exists. So the There first, are a couple ones to highlight. Hang on, let me let me take a quick, okay, you got it. quick glance, and I'll... Uh, Maybe maybe that Georgia Tech game. Cause maybe yeah, you're, you're you're going way down there because January is oh, rough. January, yeah. Oh yeah, this they're could not be a winless a, January. They are not winning a game in January. This I is, feel comfortable saying that. Is this what they mean when they say dry January? You give you give the Rutherford guarantee. I'm going to give the Scoots guarantee that Louisville does not win a game in Scoots January. Scoots guarantee for a winless yeah. January. No, there's no. I mean, just the opponents are r- ridiculously hard. You got at Miami, NC State, at North Carolina, at Wake Forest versus Duke versus Virginia at Clemson. That's the rest of the games in January. That would set us up for a five and sixteen record with an zero and ten conference mark going into yeah, February. There's there's no win there. Uh, maybe I could see that Florida State game being interesting. The Florida first bad. first game of February. Yeah, they have not been great this year. Syracuse has been a little up and down. I still think with that game at Syracuse, Louisville falls in that one. And then, like I said, the next one will be Georgia Tech, and I, that could be a winnable one as well. So Georgia Tech at home on February tenth. That's the next one that I think you circle and you're like. There's a realistic fighting yeah. chance. Now we could play. You know, the team could surprise somebody. Although I said that last year, and then like I think the only two games that we won were the only two games where I was like, I think we're going to win these games. Like Georgia Tech last year when we won, finally I was like, I think every Louisville fan called it. 
Like, I think we like this one in the Clemson game because the 2013 team and all that stuff seemed to be a, a, a safe bet. According to Ken Palm right now, the only game that Louisville will be favored in is still that home game on February 21st against Notre Dame, where now oh, wow. they're, they're a one-point favorite. And look, Notre Dame, you know, they just they wobbled Virginia. They lost by two to NC State. They led Duke for most of the night on Saturday and then only lost by eight. Now, those were, those were home games. They've been a really bad team away from home, a very young roster. I think that's still a game you look at and you're like, <laughs> Notre Dame's still better than us. And they've got a good coach, Micah Shrewsbury has proven that he can do it at Penn State. They're getting better. They're only going to continue to get better. But you look, I mean, we do get Georgia Tech at home. We do get Florida State at home. We do get Notre Dame at home. And then we get Boston College at the end of the year at home. And Syracuse as and well. Syracuse. Yeah. The, the worst teams in the conference besides us all have to go to the KFCM Center, which is a horrifying place to play these days. But I, like, I don't think they're going to go winless. Every Louisville fan is like, yeah, we've, we've seen our last game. They're going to win five. I think they win at least two games in the conference. There is opportunity, in my opinion, for four more wins. Whether I can see that. Out of those five winnable games at home, whether it's Florida State, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Boston College, I think there's four games that are winnable within those five. It's so pathetic. But I can see it being two as well. It's so pathetic that we're still sitting here talking about back-to-back seasons with single-digit wins. Yeah. And that looks it, – it does. we've got five wins right now and still – what a full two months of the year to go well i mean it depends on the draw you get in the acc tournament because that could very well be a winnable game as well in that first round so i mean i'll go ahead and tell you right now scoots we're playing the 10 seed if you do (laughs) if you do win four games in the regular season get that one that gives you 10 but i yeah i don't see a world where louisville gets the 10 from a from a pure just like comedy perspective and i do love the gallus humor uh, i i one of the funniest things that could ever happen is if Louisville goes like 1-19 or even 0-20 in the conference, and everyone's like, all right, finally time to turn the page. I can't believe he made it through the year, but let's get Kenny Payne out of here. And they win like two games in the conference tournament. And just every day people are like, oh my God, we've got another 24 hours of this. And then it's like, they're going to the quarterfinals. <laughs> and they're playing like Duke. Like it would, it would be, that would be wonderful. If just like, it got, there was a, I think it was Nebraska a few years ago when they were getting, getting ready to fire Tim Miles. And like everyone liked Tim Miles, but he just he it hadn't clicked there, and it just it clearly wasn't working. And it was like, all right, when they're done in the conference tournament, and I think they were the, the last seed in the Big Ten tournament, and they won two games, and like damn near won a third, and like everyone was like, okay, this is just it's it's getting awkward at this point. Like you you want to cheer for the team, but also we're just ready to move on to whatever's next. That would be the same thing for Louisville if they made a run in this tournament. Ken Palm, by the way, does project Louisville to go eight and twenty three this year and three and seventeen in the conference. It's just unfathomable that it could get to this point. It's, it, it really is. It's not going to happen, but does Kenny keep his job if they win the ACC tournament and get a tournament bid? <laughs> I, <laughs> it would be hilarious. It, like, we would, if we With won, no recruits. And we, had, no this, we had the same conversation last year, but if, <laughs> if we won the conference tournament, our net ranking is so bad. That we probably still would have to go to like the first four and play like in, in the, <laughs> with those sixteen seeds. We'd have to play like you know Fairleigh Dickinson or whoever wins the Miac or the Swack because our net ranking is so bad. Even with those five wins in five days in, in the ACC and the ACC is you know it's it's not great this year. It, yeah, it just it just it, it isn't. And the bottom of the conference is bad. And and you know we're at the very very bottom. Well, I mean even the top I don't feel like is all that that powerful. It's not as good you know? as it used to be. Yeah. No, and that's been the case for the last two years. Now they have still gotten. Hot in the the NCAA tournament. We've had the same conversation for the last two seasons, and two years ago, 
Duke is a three seed and Carolina is an eight seed, make the final four. And then last year, Miami is a five seed, makes the final four. So they're still getting it done in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. at the highest level. They just, you know, it's not what it Ooh, used to be. That's something to keep our eye on this year. Which ACC team is going to make it to the final four? I mean, good, good value bet potentially. I liked Virginia a couple weeks ago. I was doing a betting show, and they're like, you know, it seems like it's Duke and Carolina versus everybody else. And I'm like, whenever we think that, that's when Virginia sneaks up and, yeah. and wins the conference regular season title. And they've looked bad. You know, they, they beat us, cool, but they got hammered by Notre Dame and they got hammered by NC State over the week. They've been a terrible team away from John Paul Jones Arena. And it does kind of feel now that it's like it's kind of Carolina Duke and everybody else. Clemson's good, but Clemson got beat by by Carolina over the weekend. Um, Miami, the, the, the metrics don't love them. They lost to Wake Forest over the weekend. I still think that by the time March rolls around, they'll be a force, but it does kind of feel like Carolina and Duke are your best chances. And I'm not big on Carolina, and Duke has just kind of been whatever. So I don't, I'm just, I, I don't like any of the teams in the ACC this year. I really don't. But if I had to pick one, I'd say I still lean towards the talent that Duke has. And they've mm-hmm. got, you know, they've got, they've got a stud in Filipowski, and they've got guys that have made runs before. With uh, with uh, Jeremy Roach and, and Caleb McCain, or not Jeremy McCain, Caleb Foster, and they've been playing a lot better too. They have. They, they've been. They haven't, they haven't played anybody good, and that's True. that's the deal with the conference right now. So, uh, I don't know. It's a it's a bad league, and we're the worst of it. Speaking of the net rankings, uh, Louisville updated net ranking here: two sixty three in the net rankings. That's a full one hundred spots above the last place team in in, in Division One. Nice. So yeah, we got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, we are one spot behind Montana State, a four and eight team out of the Big Sky, and one spot ahead of Rice out of the AAC. So that's good. Yeah. Is there a is there a major conference team below us? I know we were ahead of Vandy at one point. No, we are the lowest ranked power conference team in America. <laughs> Besides that, things are going great. Who's the next? Uh, Vanderbilt is now two forty five. An insurmountable 18 spots ahead of us at this point. So that's that's what we've got going for us. That's just it's it's all. I, I, I don't know how to talk about this for for two and a half months. I'm, I'm so ready for it just to be whatever's next. Let's do our speaking since I've got the net rankings up. I don't know if you've heard us do the scoots because the text line is always like throwing out coaching candidates. It's always asking for rumors and innuendo. I've decided that we're going to do a different coaching candidate of the day. That's going to be our big rumor because I don't have any inside info right now. I don't mm-hmm. have anything other than what I've shared before. So we just do this. We're picking a number at random. I'm going to ask you to pick a number between – give me an even number between 18 and 50. All right. Let's go with 36. 36. Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> we've had uh, we've had a couple of guys already, uh, and Fran McCaffrey and the, the Princeton coach. How about Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech? Who? Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech. Never heard of him. They're having a good run right now. They're off to, you know, he took over for Mark Adams. Uh, Adams had a disastrous year last year. Now it's Grant McCaslin in there. They're 12 and 2. They just beat Texas over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Would he be a guy who, in his first year, he coached, uh, he was at North Texas for a number of years before this, did a great job with the Mean Green? Would he be a guy who, after one good year at Texas Tech, like Chris Beard, chose to jump for greener pastures? Hmm. I'm hearing. That Grant McCaslin might be interested in the Louisville job. Now, some say he was seen at the Yum Center this weekend. People said that. You know, yeah. they, they 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 played late night against mm-hmm. Texas, and then he flew here on Sunday to watch the women's game. Yep. That was a big rumor out there. By the way, how's Texas still ranked? Texas stinks. They do. Yeah. I kind of. I mean, you know, they should have lost to us. And I kind of was thinking <laughs> the entire time that game was happening, I'm like, I don't think these guys are that good. Um, and they have they've been beaten by pretty much every good team they've played, the most recent being Texas Tech, who beat them 78-67 over the weekend, at the uh, under the tutelage of potential Louisville head coach Grant McCasland. So there it is. 
That's the, uh, the the latest we've had. Fran McCaffrey at Iowa. We've had Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech, and we've had Mitch Henderson at Princeton. <laughs> All three candidates for the Louisville coaching job. If you've got more, hit us up. We'll go to the text line after the break. 502-414-1450. Hear what you have to say. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Monday edition here on 1450 and 961. Big X. Go ahead, girl. Won't you stop? Keep going to the spot. Whoa. How do you want it? You gon' back that up or shit up, shut up, won't it? Temperature rising. Oh, fly away. Glad you're going my way. I love it when we're cruising together. The music is played for love. Cruising is made for love. We're back in, everybody. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. 1450-961, the big X. It is the first full week of 2024, first full work week. We everybody had Monday off last uh, last ooh. week after New Year's. I know it's. Uh, I think it's kind of setting in. Like, ooh, this is uh, this is the grind. This is where it gets a little bit tough. Man, I got a long week now that I'm here with you all week. I know. I feel Shoot for you. We. I got a game tomorrow night, game Friday night, doubleheader on Saturday, and working what seven hours of radio every day. Gosh, yeah, it's, it's a tough life. It's a lot. And the thing is, like, you know, everyone's like, "Well, at least you have a nice little break with MLK Day next Monday." I'm like, "We don't get MLK Day." <laughs> We can. I guess we could. <laughs> this year, you know, who could? We have, so I, I don't think I've talked about this on the air. We actually, I, don't, I haven't, I need to tell the the bosses this because we plan it out, but next month, you know, for, since I've been doing this, the last like 12, 13 years when I've been doing it professionally, you know, these three, basically from like the start of football through the end of basketball are, it's it's when you're grinding. It's 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 work time. There's nothing, no time for vacations, no time for big holidays, no time for anything. And these months, especially in a place like Louisville, college basketball driving the ship as as it typically does, like you you're locked in. And this year, you're not feeling it, so you're going to take a vacation. In the exactly middle of the right. You know, Mary's always wanted to do. She's you know she wants Virginia's like desperate to go to Disney World. Uh, her cousin and Mary's family all went last year. We couldn't go because we, they were doing it during like the NCAA tournament, and I worked the NCAA tournament. And so this year we were, we were looking at it, and there's a, a break for where we don't have a game for a week in February, and we're like, you know, let's go for it. You know, I, I don't think that anybody really cares for me to like break down the upcoming Duke game for a full week. So I think we're we're going to go to Disney World, take the kids, see how that goes. It'll be like Virginia will be on cloud nine, so we're excited about it. I think it'll be four days away from radio, which, you know, in a normal year, I'd be like, I can't do it. This sucks. I, you know, I've got to be locked in. People want to hear. But unless we fire Kenny Payne that week, which I'm sure we will well, <laughs> while we're gone, there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it is what it is. I'm excited about that. It's something to look forward to, though. I feel like you have to, you always have to have something to look forward to when the, the new year comes and you're trying to do better and, you know, work is bearing down on you and all this stuff. Like, you just got to got to create something to get excited about. And usually it's basketball for us. And this year, unfortunately, they're not carrying that weight. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Thornton's hooking up with the best deals all 2024 year long. If you want to take full advantage, you have to become a Refreshing Rewards member. Download the Refreshing Rewards app on your phone. Use it whenever you stop in to fill up or grab a tasty treat inside one of this area's 56,983 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them around here because they know what they're doing. Do all that. Take advantage and then text us at 502-414-1450. While you, while you read this first one, Mike, I, I got to admit, I made a coffee during the break. I hate coffee with a passion. It's just not good. 
I need another uh, pack of sugar and creamer. So go for it. I'll You're, be right back. Scootator did text in. Oh, and just said, "So we meet again." Suck it, Scootator. From Scootator. Scootator. We should meet in real life. You'd be a Scoots lover. Uh, you probably not, would be. Not Scoots's lover, but you'd be a Scoots lover. He's he's a hard guy to you know. He's, he's got there's a certain charm that Scoots has. <laughs> That's he, right. Yeah. Texture says, "Can Kenny Payne pull a Jawan Howard and let someone be the honorary coach for the rest of the year?" Maybe. I, I mean, pulling a Jawan Howard means a little bit something different to me. I feel like it's <laughs> it's you know he can't stop uh, slapping people or pushing people or getting into fights with people, but. I don't even know if that would that would help at this point. By the way, there was a lot made. One thing that I did not mention about the pit game over the weekend, there was a lot made, and I saw the video, I think I retweeted it, about Sky Clark going to the bench, and it, it looked like on the broadcast that Danny Manning was trying to pull him aside and trying to tell him something about something that was going on in the game, and Sky Clark just brushed him aside and, and, and walked to the bench, and you know, I, I think... I saw that, everyone saw that, and it was just like, hey, another piece of evidence that there's this huge disconnect between this coaching staff and the players, and this is why things are going so poorly. Sky Clark did make it a point to go on, I don't know what form of social media it was, maybe it was Instagram or something, but he did address it head on, to to, to his credit, uh, and and said something along the lines of, you know, people are, are making nothing into something, I've got major respect for all my coaches, I would never do anything to disrespect anybody, especially Coach Danny. He was telling me there was blood on my jersey, and I was trying to get a trainer to wipe it off. So that's the the story. It, it looked, it did look bad. I mean, it looked like something that we've seen a couple of times, which is coaches trying to coach and players just not having any part of it. But apparently, according to Sky Clark, it was merely Manning trying to tell him that there was blood on his jersey and him trying to get it wiped off so he could go back in the game. I so. mean, has it not been bad enough that we've got to nitpick every little thing that happens in a game? Well, that's all there is to do. Like, you know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, th- that's the thing. Is like, and it's why like I, I talk about like I don't think people want to hear basketball talk on the show because the the X's and the O's of the game. It's you know, it's not like we're trying to play our way up from a, a nine seed to a six seed. It's you know, it's we're five and nine. We're not competing with anybody. Um, it's just like this little stuff to just pile on the coaching staff is all the fan base has right now and it's I get why you kind of gravitate towards it it's just we're, we're angry we want to feel more angry it feeds us at this point it sustains us and and that's and that's where we are I, I mean I have heard from multiple people and this is something that I, I've said on the radio show before and I'll repeat it here that when you go to the games early enough and the team is out there for like individual you know, workout and kind of shoot around like Manning's the guy who's out there who's going through drills and who's going through teaching and trying to kind of like lead these guys. So even though he does look a little bit sleepy during the actual games, I, I do think that Danny Manning is, he's trying. He's been trying. I think there's only so much that, that he can do in this situation. And he does seem like a, he seems like a good guy. 502-414-1450. Texture says, for the love of God, man, is there any possible way the station could not run KRC promos during your show? It's bad enough we have to endure the travesty that is our basketball team. Do we have to have it rubbed in our faces listening to that oily slime bag Calipari and those idiots that put on that show? Here is it, – it, it's fun for you. Next time you hear it, though, listen for it. Because right in the middle of it, when Cal goes, here's the thing, let me tell you, or whatever he says at that spot, I, I don't know if it was Roush or TJ. I'm pretty sure it was Roush. But one of them audibly laughs behind Cal as soon as he <laughs> says that. Like, okay. Um, Every time I hear it, I get a kick out of the it. The thing is, like, like so that ad, uh, that that spot has been playing during our show 
a decent amount for like a year now. For it's what like, it's worth, your spot plays during our right, and, during and, and that's what Trevor always says. Like our you know, spot, which I think is still like the same one that's been on for like a year as well. No, you got the it's the uh, alien or the Amish, the Amish one. one? Now, oh, yeah. that, that finally. Oh my playing? gosh, it makes me laugh so much, <laughs> and I, I hate it because I stepped on it, and I, you can hear me laugh at one point in it. and I wish you couldn't. I still feel that way. It's hilarious. Yeah, but like, yeah, I love it. Our spot is is me talking about how we need to become Amish when it comes to artificial <laughs> intelligence, and their spot is interviewing Hall of Fame coach John Calipari. But they, um, who it, called us, by the way? Yeah, he did. That's, that, I remember that. that. But like, it's been going on for a while, and I have noticed that the complaints have really ramped up as we're into basketball season, and Kentucky is playing very well, and we're once again the laughing stock of the entire sport. People are like, it's it's bad enough that we have to talk about it ourselves. Can we not just have this rubbed in our face? But Hey, you know, two more months of this. Two more months. Whew. We can make it through. Texas has lots of Gil time for Scoots over the weekend. Mm, not absolutely not. No. Where's Gil? Uh, I mean, he was home. I just I wasn't home a lot. No, that's right. I, no, was, act- I was gone a majority of the weekend. Especially you guys didn't act out scenes from the Golden Globes. <laughs> no, we did not. No. <laughs> Could have your own award show. <laughs> Texas, did U of L set the NCAA record by fouling three three point shooters in the same game? No way. It did feel like an overcorrect where, I mean, I've talked about it at length for the past year and a half. We're the worst perimeter defensive team I've ever seen. Like, we just don't defend, and the stats bear it out. Nobody allows more open three-pointers in power conference basketball than Louisville does. And it's like Indiana's got to be right behind them then. I have to find the chart again. Indiana's this not like a, good this, either. This is like two weeks ago, but we were we were kind of on an island. <laughs> we're, we're, we're very bad. Even when teams miss, it's not because they're – you know, we're closing out with high hands or we're right there. They're missing because they're just missing. But it, d- it does feel like we overcorrected. It's like when you're, you're kind of drifting out of the, the, the fast lane and then you just swerve off into like the emergency lane. Like that's kind of what we did. We're like, all right, see, we're going to try. We're defending. And it was like, no, you can't just run into dudes. And we, can, we, can, we kept doing it, and it was embarrassing. Scenario sounds like a normal Louisville driver. Yeah, well, no, come on. That's Southern Indiana. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will. I've said this for years, Mike, and I will. I'll say it again. Louisville, Kentucky specifically, has the best drivers in the nation. I mean, there's they go 100 mile an hour. If you're going 80 mile an hour in a 55, you're getting passed like you're a turtle. So from that regard, I love driving in the state of Kentucky. But there are so many times, and I said this last week on KRC. But why is it every time somebody has to do something in terms of driving, I know what they're going to do before they know what they're going to do. And all the time you'll see people cut across two, three lanes. Like, oh, I'm, there's my exit. Like, you didn't know four miles ago you needed to be in that lane to take the exit? Because I do. I, I knew you were going to take that exit. It's because those people all have the Indiana Trust in God license plate. <laughs> my biggest nemesis on the, ro- on the road. Every time that I complain about somebody and I get closer, I'm like, there it is. Trust in God license plate You know what's wild, Indiana. though? So Kentucky drivers are really good until they get to Indiana. And then is they that just, what it is? Oh, yeah, it's wild. And maybe it's the same thing, because I feel like Indiana drivers are okay. We just don't go as fast as y'all do over here. They're undercover. They're like the, 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 the feds. Yeah. It's, it's a setup. Maybe. That's what's happening. Just trying to make Indiana look bad, going to great lengths. Yeah, I don't know. They they just get on the our side of the river, and they lose their minds. Texas, Mike's dream sounds like a wet dream. It, yeah, it was, it was as excited as I've been in a dream in a long time, for sure. <laughs> no question about it. Texas, of all the coaches that UofL could hire this year, here we go. Scott Drew and Will Wade are the only two options that I would have 100% confidence in having us as contenders in year one. Will Wade, really? Chris Beard, too, but I would hope that he wouldn't have a shot at the job. I mean, so I, I saw Mark Blankenbaker, uh, who does the, the Diener show in the Crunch Zone, 
he had a poll up over the weekend where it was, I think he threw up four choices. Hold on. This is where I need the cough button. <clears throat> there we go. A little oh, bit better. My bad. I'll get you next yeah, time. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Trev usually has my back. <clears throat> ah, there we go. All right. Now we're good. Blankenbaker had a, a poll up over the weekend where it was like, out of these four guys, who do you like the most? And he had Scott Drew, Chris Beard, um, Jerome Tang, and I think Mick Cronin was the fourth one, who Cronin now is just, Cronin said, this is, a, this is a bad year if you wanted to, to to try and leave for another job, especially when you have that buyout. But uh, I had to take they're doing it on purpose because they don't want the Louisville job. You think? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a possibility. Anything's possible, right? There is a, so anyway, the, the, the poll before I get to the next point. Chris Beard won fairly convincingly over Scott Drew, which kind of blows my mind. I don't know if it's because people think that Chris Beard is more attainable than Scott Drew, but I feel like, I mean, Drew's got a proven track record of success at a place at Baylor where nobody had really ever had success before. Um, He's won a a national title, for God's sake. And and I do get that Chris Beard took Texas Tech to within a shot of winning a national title, which is pretty much the same thing. A lot of people think Texas Tech is the worst job in the Big 12, and he had a ton of success there, a ton of success everywhere he's been. But I feel like Scott Drew, just in terms of being able to develop a program, do the ins and the outs, he's like, like he's one of the few guys out there that you could say home run higher, and I think that most of the, the college basketball public would agree. Mm-hmm. Chris Beard certainly can coach. Um, the other stuff, I think, is, is a concern, especially at, at a place with, with the stigma that Louisville has right now. If you're willing to do your, your due diligence, it was the Ole Miss press release they put out when they got him, which was like, uh, you know, we... We investigated on our own, and we found that everything was good. You know, we, we, you know, which is always what happens in these cases. If Louisville wants to do that, then we'll have to figure it out. But an interesting thing about the coaching search, because I don't like, I hear stuff about coaches that I think Josh will talk to, or coaches that Josh may be interested in. But the more the most substantive stuff that I get is from college basketball people who are tight with the, you know, it all comes from the agents. The agents of coaches who are, like, putting out feelers and letting people know that, hey, my guy, he might be interested in the Louisville gig. Now, is it a case where somebody might be using this to leverage themselves into a better deal? Sure. But it it also is how you, I think, find genuine interest. And all of the guys that are putting out the feelers and saying, hey, there's a little bit of, of interest on my guy's end, they're all having really bad years. And it, it it sets up this interesting thing where it's like the pool of candidates that, that Louisville and, and Josh Hurd have to work from could wind up being, you know, great body of work guys, but the the, the recency effect is going to be tough to sell for, to Louisville fans because they're coming off of really bad years. I mean, you look at some of the names that have been tossed around. We just mentioned Mick Cronin. He's having a disaster season at UCLA, mm-hmm. not just uh, record-wise, but he's you know, dealing with his players. He skipped his post-game press conference after their most recent loss. They're six and nine. They're they're terrible. And like he's he's already a guy who's kind of a tough sell for some Louisville fans because of his you know his ties ne- to Cincinnati. T- well, n- n- not necessarily that, but like just kind of the the attitude and he underachieved at Cincinnati in the tournament and he's never won a national title and all that stuff. And you know, some people don't like the ties to Patino, but coming off of you know if UCLA was great again this year, it'd be a, a much easier sell. But then you look at like Jerome Tang, a guy who you know, I think made it very. You talk about guys who've like had their agents leak out that hey, I would be interested in talking to Louisville. Like he's been on that list for a long time for a reason. They're <clears throat> eleven and three right now. They've got a decent win over Villanova. They've got a lopsided loss to Nebraska. Miami beat them pretty good. USC, who's not all that great, beat them. Like they, the computer rankings don't love Kansas State very much. We'll see how they do in league play. But like they might be life and death to make the tournament this year 
Like that's kind of a thing. Dusty May at Florida Atlantic. I think his agent has also put out there that he would love the Louisville job. I don't know what to make of them. They've got great wins. They've got losses to Bryant, Florida Gulf Coast, and now Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They like very up and down. I don't know how that's going to play out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hit the, can you hit the call button for me. Yeah, okay. gotcha. Okay. All right, we're good now. Thank you. <laughs> it's a it's a Monday. We're outside a lot over the weekend. Mm. It's those. It's that flummy. Trying to get it all out. Yeah, no, I, I wake up with it every morning, and I struggle with it every day. But D- Dusty May, I mean, could be kind of a, a weird year for for his, you know, sort of profile. And then, I mean, the guy who's always leaking his his interest to schools, Eric Musselman at Arkansas, like they're having a bad year. They, you know, they they got blasted by Auburn over the weekend. He came out and said how disappointed he was in his team. Like they've got all these transfers. They are flirting with not making the NCAA tournament this year. And I do think that the thing that we're not talking about with Chris Beard is. Part of the reason why he's such a hot name right now is, you know, they were the second to last undefeated team left in college basketball. Their schedule, I mean, they they beat nobody besides a, a shorthanded Memphis team. They finally played a quality opponent over the weekend, and Tennessee beat them by thirty. Like the computers, they started the season number eighty-two on Ken Palm. They're thirteen and one. They're number eighty-four on Ken Palm. Like they are still the computers do not believe that Ole Miss is very good. I, I think it's. You know, winning 13 games is winning 13 games. Uh, us as Louisville fans, we know it doesn't really matter who you beat. We just kind of want to stock, stockpile some wins at this point. But Ole Miss, just penciling them into the NCAA tournament because they're nationally ranked and, and started 13-0, I think is maybe a little bit of a, a fool's errand. Like They could easily get picked apart in the SEC and not make the tournament, which would make Chris Beard maybe a little bit of a tougher sell to the fan base. My point is, with the pool of candidates that's available to Louisville, and I know people will say, you know, Jay Wright and Billy Donovan and all this stuff, I don't think that those are realistic options. The realistic pool of candidates, you may be having to pick one guy who, looking broadly, has done a lot of great things as a head coach, but most recently is coming off of kind of a whatever a down year, and that's going to be, it's going to be a little tough. I mean, if you want fans to to have a guy who checks every single box i'm just not sure that that guy is going to be out there let me ask you this scoots mm-hmm. if you're if you're a louisville fan right now and i say you need a coach that checks these three boxes are the most important for whoever you're going to hire next where do you turn to I mean, it's tough because there has to be mutual interest both ways and i don't know that with a lot of the names that you're going to go for that there is that mutual interest. So I, I'd want Beard, personally. But like, what attributes is what I'm asking? Like, like what characteristics? If you, you know, everybody wants a guy who's like oh, you know, proven you. track yeah. record, won a national title. He's got great personality. Uh, you know, small buyout. But like, what what three things stand out the most? What, like, what do you like? Whoever the next head coach is has to have these three qualities or these three attributes on their resume. So he's got to be a good recruiter. Okay. I mean, that's for me, that's first and foremost, because I, I think the recruiting that you've gotten under Kenny Payne has been subpar, to say the least. Um, he's got to have some sort of, what's the best way to say this? He's had to have won everywhere he's been, just a just a natural winner, kind of like Kurt Signetti, James Madison's head coach. I mean, that's ultimately why Indiana hired him, because sure. he's just been a winner everywhere he's went. Winning's cool. Um, and then, I mean, I guess it's got to be the third third quality would be someone that resonates with the players I guess that can connect with them that is still young enough and and hip enough if you will to connect be able to connect with these guys on a on a more of than just a coach level you know because I think some of the best 
programs, I think they have those coaches that are connecting with these players on more of a personal level and from a coaching level. And I just think that's super beneficial. So I would say something like along those lines. I think that you have to. We've talked about this with the the, the football coaching hires that we've made since uh, you know since I've been on the radio. Whenever you're having a a break from like a head coach, and it's it's because the product hasn't been good. It's not a good break. Like you know, you don't you're ready for the guy to leave. Mm-hmm. You want whoever's next to have different qualities, right? Like you want kind of the antithesis of the guy that you're just you're you're either letting go or who left in Scott Satterfield's case. So I think that one. You need somebody who's been a head coach before, right? Yeah, like that's for sure, yeah. that's a must yeah. because the only reason that that the a chunk of the fan base was okay with being sold on Kenny Payne was because hey, look, Chris Mack had a proven track record. He was the guy that everybody said we should hire. Had won at Xavier, had won everywhere he's been. And, you know, came up through the ranks, did things the right way, traditional style. And look, it didn't work out here. So if if everybody was so convinced that Chris Mack was going to be the guy, maybe they're wrong about Kenny Payne not being the guy. Maybe you don't need to be a great head coach. And, well, you, know. you had the whole alum thing to sell to him as well. Which, right. That's that's kind of the whole Indiana thing. That's Anytime Indiana goes through a coaching search, that's all they want is a guy who's a Hoosier. And and while some people like that, some people don't, I, it doesn't really matter to me. But that was the easy sell for Louisville fans. He's one of us. Exactly. And, and I think it's you know people would always make the point, is he a candidate for the Louisville job if he didn't go to Louisville? And of course not. But no. like when you're still trying to sell that it's you're not just going to hire somebody because they're alum. You're you're trying to make the case that they have a a valid background that that shows that they're going to have success as a head coach at Louisville. And so you know one of the reasons one of the things that people would point to is you know you don't have to be a head coach. And we tried it the other way and it didn't really work. And now we've done it this way. And I think if you tried to sell the fan base again on somebody who's been a lifelong assistant, it would be impossible at this point after what Kenny Payne has done. And so I think you have to have a head coach. I think you're right about a proven track record of success. It's got to be, you know, you know, it can't. There are only seven coaches right now active in college basketball who've won national titles. So it's not like unless you get Scott Drew, you know, you're not getting Danny Hurley, you're not getting Tom Izzo, you're not getting you know one of these other guys that's uh, kind of a lifer at their their programs. So there's not that Rick Pitino looming out there who, like, you know he's going to come here and just kill it. Like It's, it's unfortunate. He's not going to check that box. But you can find a guy who's won at a fairly high level pretty much everywhere they've been as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to have that at a place like Louisville. And then three, I, I think you've got to have somebody who, you said can communicate with the players. I think you have to have somebody who can who's effective behind the mic. Because that's the other thing where Kenny Payne, the other area where Kenny Payne has really failed. And it doesn't matter if you're winning, but when things are going poorly – You've got to be able to give the fan base some reason to believe that things are going to get better. You've got to be able to effectively communicate, here's what I'm going to do, this is my plan, this is my vision, here's how I'm going to execute it. And it just never happened from Kenny Payne. And the fact that he says the same things and you know issues the same kind of hollow just rhetoric after every single game, it, it, every press conference feels the same, and it just kind of leads the fan base to believe, like, okay, the guy's doing this because he doesn't know what he's doing. It's not going to get any better. Like we need a coach who can come in here and be like, sell us on what his vision is, and and have kind of that pizzazz, kind of that that like I, like I've got the personality for this job that John Calipari has for Kentucky, that Rick Pitino had for Louisville, that Denny Crum had for Louisville. Like you've got to be the right kind of just personality to thrive at a at a, at a place that's as basketball crazy as we are, and I think you've got to get that person, and, and they've got to showcase that right away because everyone's gonna want to 
just jump on the, the bus whenever this happens, whether it's mid-March, early April, you know, what have you, and having somebody who can come in here and, and rally the troops and give like a, a fiery introductory press conference where we're like, damn, like it's so different than what, we're, what we've seen the last couple of years and even what we saw under Chris Mack. Like I think that's going to go a long way towards him winning the offseason and creating the momentum during the summer that we need to have if the if, if the brand is going to be back buzzing by the you time know, the next season rolls around. You just got me – so all season, or really his whole tenure here at Louisville, I've been kind of at a lack of word. I've, I've wanted to describe Kenny as something, but I could never figure it out, and you just did it for me. He's boring. He's very, very boring. I don't think that that's wrong. Yeah. I mean, and that's not going to fire up a fan base, and I could see that being the exact same thing in the locker room, just a boring guy. Doesn't mean he's not a great guy, but he's boring. I mean, he's, he's certainly boring when it comes to, like, you never know what, what people are like behind closed doors or practices or team meetings or anything like that, but when it comes to the the dealings with a fan base and the the public interviews and all this stuff, it, it is, it's, you know, at some point you're like, throw a chair or something, man. Like, you know, g- give us something. Like, like, I mean, the, the most exciting thing he's done is a, in a press conference is mention spirit children. Like, that should tell you just how boring he is press conference-wise. Yeah, when he does get excited, that's when people are like, all right, just be boring again. Because you're exciting is just saying something that's outrageous or the, the tight story with Tyler Johnson. It's like, yeah. maybe just keep that one close to home. But I think you do need somebody who checks that box. And I think there's some guys out there that do. But, like, you're not going to have a – like we're going to have to pick and choose what attributes we want because I don't think there's somebody out there that checks every single box that that, that we want right now. Unless you do get like somebody over the weekend tweeted at me and was like, "If it's not Jay Wright, Billy Donovan, or Scott Drew, we should just keep KP." And I was like, "Dude, like, <laughs> I, I was like, you're setting yourself up for some disappointment here." Like Scott Drew, I, I mean, there was definitely some communication the last go round two years ago, and then he he pretty quickly said, "Thanks, but no thanks." Is my understanding. I do think there would be some interest this go round. I, I mean, he's. He's done all he can do at Baylor. Louisville would be like a nice second challenge for him. Um, I think the the cultural fit is a little bit off, but I think you can work around that if you win at a high level. He can learn to love it here. We can learn to love him. But like, if you get Scott Drew, like that's kind of best case scenario that's out there. Like, it, it's far more likely than not that you don't get Scott Drew at Louisville. And then you're having to talk about these, if you want to call them second-tier candidates, second-tier candidates. I don't know if you want to – I mean, I know you do probably, but I don't know that you would want a top-five, top-ten coach in the country because the. what happens if it doesn't work? Then what happens to Louisville moving forward? Well, you try again. You do what Indiana's been doing. Try to go out and make the best exactly hire possible. That's what and, Indiana's been doing, and, and they haven't had success. Now, But when you look at – it's an interesting time in the sport because – you know, so many of the coaches, like, like I said, seven coaches, there are only seven active coaches that have won national championships right now in college basketball. That's crazy. And in the last few years, we've had so many guys that had been at the top of the sport move on, whether it's Shashevsky, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, Jay Wright, even going back to 2014, uh, 2015, Billy Donovan moving on, a guy who'd won two national championships. There's just like, like the guys who are out there that have won national titles and done it at the highest level, most of them are like lifers of their program. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Like, Tom Izzo, he ain't leaving Michigan State. Even guys that haven't won national, like like uh, Mark Few, is not leaving Gonzaga. Um, Danny Hurley, I don't think he's leaving UConn. Um, like, so there's not really like that guy out there, like Patino, that's 
kind of you know, lingering around and, and willing to come back. Uh, <laughs> Bill Self, not leaving Kansas. Uh, John Calipari, not leaving Kentucky. So it's like not till 2028 when they play Indiana. We're in sort of a precarious spot when it comes to the hire, but I I do think that things have gotten so bad that whoever it winds up being, the fan base will talk themselves into it, and it will there'll be a lot of enthusiasm going into the spring and the summer. But we got to get there first. I will take some more text after the break at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show with Scooter Dingus here on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. Sunshine in a bag, I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on. I ain't happy, I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on. Finally, someone let me out of my case. Now the time for me is nothing, cause I'm counting no A's. I love girls. Now nah, you shouldn't be scared. I think he's had a new album a few months ago, which I have not heard. But the first two I love. Uh, this one was. A, I mean, I listened. I was driving to Iowa to work for the summer at the newspaper in '06, and this had just come out, and I was. I was all about it. It was definitely dominant. Back when people had CD players. I mean, that was one of my favorite uh, songs back from when I was in high school is the Feel Good Ink song. Yeah. Because it was they would play the music video still. It was that. <laughs> you had that, and then the Killers won um, all these things that I've done. Remember that music video? Of yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. They, some, all the good-looking women at the end. This is a pro-gorilla show. Also okay. a pro-killer show. I enjoy the killers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text. I'll take some more text from you guys. It's a, uh, next hour, we'll talk about the... Latest additions to the tra- from the transfer portal for the local football team. We'll also get into tonight's national championship game. The last game of the old era of college football. Everything's going to change after tonight. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, most things have already started to change. But officially, things will start to change after tonight's game between Michigan and Washington. Tonight will be fantastic. By the way, you brought up uh, Jeff Brom earlier. And I was I was watching the Pat McAfee show today. He had a, a sit-down interview with both Harbaugh and Kalen DeBoer. Okay. Kalen DeBoer kind of looks like Jeff Brom, no? Not, I mean, they're not like spitting images of one another, but he looks like a younger Jeff Brom to me. I can see it. I mean, I mean, they, yeah, they're about the same age. Are um, they really? Yeah, I mean, I think what DeBoer is like late forties. Hmm. I want to say. I think Jeff's the same, about the same age. Yeah, DeBoer's forty nine. Uh, Brom's fifty two. Wow. So uh, about the same age. Both, uh, you know, not rocking any hair anymore. Yeah, they they look similar. Oh, not all ball guys look alike. Scoots, come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, 502-414-1450. Back to the Thornton's text line. We'll take some uh, some text from you guys to wrap up hour number two. Check says, Mike, I know you're a big Steve Forbes guy. Do you still feel that same way right now with Wake rolling? Yeah. I mean, I think Forbes is... Here's the thing with Steve Forbes, though. So I've been on the Steve Forbes bandwagon for a long time. I interviewed him for a story at East Tennessee State. I think he got screwed with the whole Bruce Pearl stuff at Tennessee. They've won, what, like nine games in a row now? They beat Miami over the weekend. That's a big win for them. They're 3-0 in the conference. I don't. I, I still don't know how great they are. Like, I think they can be a tournament team. They don't. He doesn't have a ton of talent. He's getting the most out of it. But there's a lot of buzz out there that he is going to be targeted by West Virginia. Who, I mean, kind of makes make sense. It does. I mean, he's yeah. got the same type of personality that Huggins did. I think. Look, 
West Virginia felt like they had to get rid of Bob Huggins because he had two massive bleep ups in a short period of time. But I think that you know we talked about when things end poorly between a, a program and a coach, you want kind of a coach with different personality traits or different resume. Like West Virginia was fine with Bob Huggins. Like they wanted him to stay there forever. So you want to bring in a guy that resembles Bob Huggins. And certainly Steve Forbes is that same type of guy, uh, same type of old school mentality, like, like very loud, very, very animated, plays a tough, hard nosed brand of basketball. Um, I, I think he would do well there. So if you want to, if Louisville were to target Forbes after this year, you're probably going to be fighting with the folks in Morgantown for him and maybe some other jobs. I, I saw that Wake Forest also, like they're, they're trying to, assemble the NIL troops because they know that that Forbes is a hot commodity out there and they know that, that people are going to come calling and they're trying to get some extra money from their collective to maybe give them a little bit of a bonus after this year if it keeps going the way that it's been going. I didn't realize until this weekend that they had Hunter Salas. What a pickup. Yeah. He, Good he's grief. He's been great for him. They've got uh, – who's the kid that just got um, named Conference Player of the Week? Um, his name's Boop, which is awesome. Boop. Um, Boop. Yeah, Booby Miller. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. He's uh, yeah, I've heard of him. He's very good, and they always say Boop. There it is, which is I, I enjoy. <laughs> I think his real name's Kevin, but he's been very good. That's too easy, kind of cheesy. Yeah, no. Uh, Cam Hildreth also is, is very good for them. They've, he's he's done well in the portal and done well with uh, developing the talent that he's got. Texas, if I say Mick is the pick, will I get muted forever on the text line? I'm ready to be the. He's ready to be the villain. Uh, I'm ready to be the villain of college basketball. Give me Wade or Beard. Let's go. I mean, we addressed this head-on on Friday because I don't think that like this conversation is going anywhere. And I, I I don't know how much we need to have it because, I honestly, I've got no idea how interested Josh Hurd is in, in Chris Beard or Will Wade. I don't know if like the pass for both those guys is a non-starter. I've got no idea like, like where his mentality is. So, you know, we're all debating the – the pros and the cons of Will Wade's NCAA past and kind of being an a-hole and Chris Beard's, you know, drinking and, and potential abuse past, even though he was never charged with anything. Like, how much are you willing to put up with? How much are you willing to take a hit for perception-wise and all this stuff? And it may all be in, in vain. Like, we, we have no idea if those coaches are interested in us. We have no idea if, if Josh is interested in them. Now, I do think that I, I feel confident enough to say that Will Wade is – interested in the Louisville job and has let it be known, which makes sense. He's a guy that I think sees himself as a top-tier coach in the sport, felt like he was on that trajectory, and now finds himself at McNeese State. But whether or not that interest is reciprocated, I think, is the is the question. But look, you'll never hear me say that either one of those guys can't coach, because they both can. They, they both absolutely know their stuff, and I do think that they probably would, would win here. Texter says... Um, did you all say that you've watched The Bear? What are your thoughts? I love it. Um, we've gotten that request, a, or I guess recommendation, a decent amount. I've never seen The Bear. Oh, it's great. you got to watch you're, it. You're the bear guy? Yeah, I've, I've seen – I watched the first season, and then I've seen probably, I don't know, four or five episodes of the second season. Yeah, it's really good. But I used to work in restaurants. So if you've worked in restaurants before, it's very interesting. I feel like that's Trevor's the same thing. Yeah, like he was like, he's like, I feel like it's a, a show that if you have restaurant experience. I mean, the the way they talk is, people may think it's a little over the top when they're in the kitchen and heard behind corner. No, that that happens. Like that is that is very realistic. I don't think the show overall is all that realistic, but the way they talk in the kitchen, very realistic. Now Trevor claims that working at a restaurant is like a big orgy. Like everybody dates each other, everyone sees oh, each yeah. other. Is that that's, oh, that's, that's true? Very much your experience true. Yeah, as well, for sure. Yeah, because sometimes Trevor lies. No, no, that's that is a. Uh, I mean, it's easy, especially 
if they've got like a bar too and you've got to work late till i don't know midnight two in the morning whatever the hours are yeah it's it, everyone's hanging out after work drinking together and and stuff's gonna get crazy yeah. look i watched vanderpump rules it seems to seems to track yeah. they, all of them slept with each other it's a great show yeah Texas, from the pit game, uh, I liked the announcer a lot, especially in the first half. Jesus Christ, <laughs> we're only halfway through the year. The announcer was, so this was the, our first CW game, where everyone's like, maybe we'll win, because CW cursed. No, CW curse is also, it's either there's a huge upset, or one of the teams has a guy get hurt for the year. And we had J.J. Trainer announced that morning as being out for the year, so that, that was the CW curse right there. But Ryan Burr was the play-by-play guy for the CW and I, I'm not familiar with him, but I did enjoy him. Like I thought he did a good job calling the game. He was the most excited person in the enti- in the entire building. Like he was, he was, you know, he's like Louisville surging back to within six. And the fan base is like kind of yawning and just like golf clapping, and he's going nuts. I appreciated the enthusiasm that, that he brought to the game. I thought he did a great job. Uh, same texture says for the end of the show. Can you give me some playoff bets? Surprising teams to get to the Super Bowl. Make me some money, Mike. Take Solace and Lamar winning a Super Bowl if the Lions can't. That's the only thing that I've got. Like, there's a part of me that's terrified that the Lions are finally going to get to a Super Bowl for the first time in my life, and I'm going to have to root against my favorite football player of, of all time in Lamar Jackson. I guess behind Barry Sanders. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I will if I have to. But if the Lions do lose in the more likely event before the, the Super Bowl, I would love to have Lamar to root for. So it's a, you know, it could be the best of both worlds. Texas, I never thought I'd hear the day that Louisville was talked about like a plucky 16 seed coming up short in an upset bid over a one seed until the announcer praised our effort level late in the game as we trailed an average pit team by 16 at home. Actual rock bottom for me. It wasn't just the announcer. I mean, you had several members of the, the, the actual fan base being like, I saw some positives. This was pretty good. Again, as we lost by 13 to a pit team that I don't think is going to sniff the NCAA tournament. It's not a good pit team. And they were almost as careless with the ball in the first half as we were they what are they now they're they're 10 and 5 um you know they they, they didn't who they beat in non-conference but nobody they've got no quality wins to look at they were 0 and 3 in the ACC coming into that game with losses to to Clemson which is understandable North Carolina which is understandable and Syracuse which is less understandable we are now after losing after um after losing that game we are one of just Oh, take it back. We're the only team in the ACC without a win in conference play already. Mm. I didn't realize that until just now. Well, and you're not getting one in the whole month of January, so scoot's guarantee in case y'all missed it. We're in last, and we're probably going to say, yeah, every other team in the conference has at least one victory in league play because Boston College beat Georgia Tech. Um, So that's sad. That's that, that, that. That's not good. In case you're wondering, there are f- uh, three undefeated teams in league play. NC State, sort of surprisingly, three and zero, along with North Carolina and Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, what's the likelihood that we're ever not in last or tied for last in the conference at any point this season? Five percent, zero percent. Yeah, if if, if zero percent, you laugh, but I'm not joking. Zero percent. If we go winless in January, there's no way we're climbing no, out of the cellar. Absolutely not. The schedule doesn't exactly. Yeah, it, it's a bad schedule for us in January. Not that any schedule would be good for us. It's <laughs> there's there's nobody that's like we match up pretty well against them. Oh, it's so sad. Two months. Two months. We'll be we'll be out of here in two months. Texture says. Um, uh, what Trevor did to Scoots is what Jawan Howard did to Phil Martelli yesterday and what Mick Cronin did to Rod Palmer on Saturday. I don't get it. I don't either. What did Jawan do to Phil Martelli? I mean, he made him the, like, um, he's sort of like, the, he, he's the, the the coach, basically. Like, he's the, you know, he's 
He's the acting head coach. I'm still Juwan here. Howard's still not back? He is, but he's like he's like not the full coach. I mean, I thought he was coming back in like December. No, what's the term that he he's like um associate head coach. No, honorary coach oh, okay. for the rest of the year. That's wild. He's still on the staff, but he had the the run in with the, the trainer. And I guess Mick Cronin's now trying to do the same thing with his assistant where it's like, yeah, this is your team. This is your fault. Texas says, uh, Danilo revenge game on Wednesday. That's right. I forgot Danilo Yovanovich going up against his former team against Miami, the team that went to the Final Four, and then Yovanovich came to uh, Jim Laranega after the season and said, you should have played me. (laughs) Revenge. Revenge game. Texas, that not very good NC State team, just blasted Virginia by 16 on Saturday. Transitive property states that we lose by 40 against them. The next three games could see us lose by a combined 100 points unless – the teams called off the dogs against us. Buckle up, it's going to be bumpy. Yeah, bumpy? Y'all go, yeah, it's going to be off the road. What do you mean bumpy? NC State, uh, I mean, it's Crashing still, into a river here. Yeah, the, the, the 3-0 in the ACC, they got, I mean, Ole Miss kind of thumped them. They don't have any bad losses. Ole Miss thumped them. BYU beat them pretty handily, and then Tennessee beat them pretty handily. That's three pretty good teams. I know Ole Miss, like I said, not great computer rankings, but NC State hasn't beaten anybody besides those teams. Nobody in the top, God, not, nobody in the top 200 outside of those teams. The Virginia win is good, but Virginia sucks at home. I mean, Virginia sucks away from home. So, I don't know. I, I still don't think NC State's a tournament team. I hope they are. I love Kevin Keats, but we'll find out more about them. They play Carolina on Wednesday night. Texture says, uh, Louisville made me so desperate for good basketball that I'm getting tickets to see St. John's at Butler next month. Now that's a coach that's making deposits for his fan base. <laughs> St. John's looks good right now. They Who's are, at Butler now? Um, oh, Thad Mata, right? Thad yeah. is there. You know who else is at, uh, is at Butler? Mike McGeese. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> good for him. They're not very good this year. No, they're not. They're, they're struggling. But St. John's is, you know, they won at Villanova in a game they dominated from start to finish. Yeah, they should have had the win over UConn a couple Saturdays ago. They beat Butler at home. They're three and one in the Big East. Like you knew they were only going to get better. Like it's so. I mean, it was happening. Those score updates were happening while we were getting thumped by by Pitt. It was like, oh, by the way, St. John's is up twenty eight to eleven at Villanova, and I was like, oh, it's like reaching through the like hand on the glass, nose pressed against the glass, tears streaming down my face, just desperate to get back to those days. Like they're they're going to be fine. They'll probably be in the tournament. Texter says uh, the Golden Globes are nothing but a collection of Epstein's clients. Is that is oh. that is that Plummer? Oh, yeah, that's, that's Chris the Plumber. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you did you hear the text on the show by the way that was like what if Scoots was on the list? No, I didn't. <laughs> I can confirm I'm not on the list. Can you? I can. Well, meant no, because I'm not going to read 900 pages. Uh, Texter says you're not the only one who didn't know the Golden Globes host was that dude was a disaster. I mean, I, I saw the, – the only reason I knew it was on was because the clip started going viral of him making the bad joke about Taylor Swift and her, like, staring a, – a death, giving him a death stare. And I was like, who is this dude? Like, 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 like what, what's going on? A couple of my friends had heard of him. I guess he has some comedy specials on Netflix, but I'd never heard of him. I guess he just got the job 10 days ago. Even in his monologue, he was like – he's like, take it easy on me. Like, I, I just got this job 10 days ago. You're laughing at the jokes that I wrote. Basically, like, just, like, throwing the writers for the show under the bus – but his joke was something along the lines of like, you know, I guess he was saying, you know, we're, we're doing this on Sunday night. The NFL is going on. This is a diversion from from the NFL. But 
the only difference between tonight and watching an NFL game is you'll get less shots of Taylor Swift here than you will. Which that's, that's pretty funny. Kind of like a C-minus joke. You know, whatever. And she just was not amused at all. And then that went viral. And I was like, oh, the Golden Globes are on. Oh, who's this guy? I mean, typically I've at least heard of the host, but I had no idea who this guy was. My question is, who's sitting next to Taylor Swift? Sheesh. I didn't see. Was it, I mean, is she's, that a, she's a looker. Attractiveness? Oh, yeah. I saw Selena Gomez was there. She was talking to Taylor Swift. Maybe that's Selena Gomez. Could be. She's very attractive. She's dating Benny Blanco, record producer. Whoever that is. He's a big producer. He's on that show, Dave. Great. Oh, is he? Yeah. Texas says, please don't feel like you have to read. Oh, God. Uh, this is a long. Please don't feel like you have to read all these, but do you feel like the next coach is on the list? If so, who are the most likely? <laughs> it's a list of like 35 every, names. Every coach in the country. <laughs> he says, ridiculous long shots that I feel obligated to include. Jay Wright and Rick Pitino. This is basically me doing the pick the net ranking team between like, yeah, like, oh, yeah. like one and 75. That's coach of the day. How uh, many how many names on there have you never heard of? Have you have you at least well, heard, heard of all, all those names? Of course, yeah. I, I've never heard of Danny Sprinkle from Utah State. Never heard of him. Danny Sprinkle. I've never heard of Brian Dutcher. Yes, you have. They, no, went, to the national, they went to the national title game last year. Is that Scoots? the same coach? Yeah, come on. Oh, okay, I'm sure I'd notice him if I saw him, but come yeah, I don't. On. I don't. I definitely have never heard of Danny Sprinkle. <laughs> they beat Colorado State over the weekend. Good for them. Mountain West is a good league. They'll probably fall flat in the NCAA tournament, but it's a good league. Texas says, what's up with these goofy lines? I don't know. Goofy lines? I don't know. No idea. I don't know what you're talking about. Texas, people keep saying that KP isn't dumb. Are we sure about that? No. I mean, he knows basketball. He knows ball. You don't play as, as long as he did and, and run in coaching circles as long as he has without knowing like more than all of us. But... Sometimes that knowledge doesn't translate into being a good head coach. Sometimes it's just you know having that knowledge and being able to communicate it effectively to people that are underneath you is are, are two different skills. Okay, he may not be dumb. I'll agree with that. He's not dumb. Well, you but, said that earlier. You're, you're like he's not dumb. That's what that person is reacting. Okay, to. so he is not dumb, but man, his press conferences make him sound dumb a lot of times. I don't disagree. Texas Mike, congrats on the Lions season. They come to Indianapolis next year to play the Colts. You can have my extra season ticket for that game in exchange for your favorite Rick Pitino and Bobby Pitino's stories that you can't share on air. That's a deal. <laughs> I'm more than happy to tell you those stories off air. Um, but, yeah, I- I'll come to that game. I'm excited about it. Lions, the exciting thing about right now is, and I told my wife this yesterday, and I don't like, I'm full, I know, realize I'm fully putting a hex on it, but they're kind of like the Reds where it feels like they're ahead of schedule. Like they're, they're great now, mm-hmm. but they're going to be even better moving forward. And it's going to be this this period of sustained success. And every time that I've thought that as a Lions fan, like invariably we do something stupid in the offseason or like the franchise quarterback gets hurt or something terrible happens. So I'm hoping this is just the beginning, but we need to, to keep taking steps forward. Who's your all's backup quarterback? Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, okay. So were you kind of like hoping that golf would get hurt or couldn't play a couple games? No. Okay. I mean, Teddy's. I think Teddy's very ready for retirement. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Goff has been. He's w- been. He's had a good season. When he has a clean pocket, he's very good. Mm-hmm. He sucks when he's pressured, but he's he's done just enough. He's made some. You know, I don't think he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I don't. But I think he's good enough to win at least one game in the playoffs. And then he's got a lot of pieces around him. But we need. I, mean, I don't know what we do without Sam Laporta. Texas, if we win eight games, will that be enough for a year three? That's double last year's win total. Rarified air. I'm asking for Jan and Jerry. Your response and attitude to this question will be judged. <laughs> can you imagine? Rarified air. <laughs> can you imagine, like, uh, you know, because this time, two years ago, 
we weren't quite at the, like, I think they may have to fire Chris Mack in the middle of the season, but we were getting there. It was late January when um, when, when the trigger was pulled and they, you know, they, they kind of came together and they were like, yeah, this is, we probably need to go ahead and make a move. But I'm trying to think of, yeah, this uh, on this day two years ago, we were 10-4 and and 4-0 in the ACC and about to lose a competitive away game to a good Florida State team. But let's say, like, January 22nd was the Notre Dame game. That's when it was going awry. And you went to the fan base and you said, hey, two years from now, there will be people debating whether or not winning eight games is enough to justify Kenny Payne a third year after winning four in his debut season. I mean, imagine how sad that would make everybody. Mm-hmm. We were sitting there, again, late January, we had a winning record. We were 11-9, we're 5-4 and four in the ACC, and we're like, this is the worst it could possibly get. This is, this is, a bit, this is so bad that we got to fire this coach in the middle of the year or try to get him to resign, come to some sort of buyout agreement. But whew, this time of year from now, all this is going to be behind us. We're going to be good as gold. We'll be in the top 25. We'll be bringing in top-tier recruits, getting ready to get back to the NCAA tournament. Imagine telling that person, guess what? You're going to go 4-28 in a year, and there will be people who are saying winning 12 total games in two seasons after this should be enough to justify a year three for your next head coach. <laughs> I probably just have to give up basketball. I would have quit the radio show at that point and just been like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it for two years. I can't. I, I kind of feel that way right now. Texas, who's the angriest coach in college basketball currently, Frank Martin or Fran McCaffrey? Oh, Fran McCaffrey. It's not Fran. even close. It's Frank is. Frank's gotten soft in his older years. I think Frank's about ready to, from what I hear, I think Frank's one of those guys who's like ready to kind of hang it up a little mm-hmm. bit. Like he's, he's, he's a nice family guy. You wouldn't know it from his demeanor, but he is. He's, he's a family man. And I think he hates the NIL and transfer portal stuff. I think he's just sort of he's nearing his end. I think he's had some health issues as well. Yeah. But Fran is the Fran is the most consistently angry man in in college basketball. And you also get the sense with Fran that he like doesn't ever turn it off. Like I, I think I think who Fran is on the court on a Big Ten Tuesday night game against Indiana is exactly who Fran is at home eating dinner with his family on a Friday night where he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> I think he's just always pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it, it's Fran. Texas, is there anyone in the portal uh, who Jeff Brom cannot sign? No, Barry Huggins, Bruce. That's about it. Guys who've who've left our own program. Besides that, he's good to go. Texas, I'm re-listening to Friday's show over the weekend. It was absolutely hilarious. Trevor's NBA takes are so bad, and the best part is he doesn't watch the NBA and just comes in firing takes. The second thing Trevor said that made me laugh was when he said Taylor Swift wasn't hot, but he'd still sleep with her. It reminded me of when Kevin Malone said, it's is she hot, not would you do her. Respect the game. I love this show. Never change. He doesn't think Taylor Swift's hot. Trevor, no, he thinks that he thinks she's average looking. He thinks if he saw her just like in everyday life, you wouldn't be blown away by her or Beyonce. Does he know she's like six foot tall? I don't think that Trevor, makes her so hot, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got standards. He's got he's got standards. The NBA takes are outrageous, Trevor. I think he makes the text line more mad with his NBA takes because in one breath he'll he'll talk about how he hasn't watched the NBA since like the 1990s and the NBA sucks and all this stuff, and then he'll like try to to, to back up a take like Steve Kerr is a fraud, <laughs> and it makes everybody mad. But it's Trevor. We love him. That's why we're never going to change. Texas, speaking of Chris Beard, Ole Miss got rocked by Tennessee for their first loss. They did. I, I think Ole Miss will come down to earth. I'll be shocked if Ole Miss goes like, if they're 13-7 and seven or better in the SEC this year. You said they're the second 
They were the second to last team to lose a game, so does that mean every team's lost a game? No, Houston's the only undefeated team. Oh, Houston's still undefeated? Houston's undefeated. Oh, no. I also think, like, so right now, Ken Palm has Houston as the best team in the country and has them winning the Big 12 by two games. I think Houston's good. I think there's a little bit of a computer thing going on with them where they're going to have to adjust because these analytical, these predictive metrics, they use your like your, your history in your ranking. Basically, like you know, if a program's been really good for the last 10 years, Ken Palm and, and Bartorovic and these rankings, like they have it built in to say like they're, they're probably going to be pretty good again. And so I think that we haven't really adjusted for the fact that Houston now is going to be playing in the Big 12. Like I don't think they're beating – like. They're not going to win the Big 12 by two games. Uh, I Kansas. forgot they were in the Big 12, too. Okay, yeah. so Indiana's record will last another year. Yeah, they're not winning out, for sure. Uh, they play Iowa State tomorrow night. That'll be a tough game away. They love, uh, you know, Hilton Magic. They love big-time big, big time home games. All right, we got a break. 5 o'clock hours up next. We'll talk a little football. We'll talk about the Louisville in the transfer portal. Glad you were paying attention because I yeah. wasn't. And also tonight's college football national championship game. And, of course, more text from you guys. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition, here on the Big X. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag, I'm useless Not for all the future Starts at 5 o'clock hour here. Come on. All right. It is the 5 o'clock hour here of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Mike Rutherford and Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Ding, is here with you on your drive home. First Monday, uh, first uh, work Monday of the 2024, the new year. It's real now. Setting in. We sent the kids back to school this morning. You're like, oh, can't wait for the diseases they're going to bring home now. Just <laughs> back, back to that Petri dish of school. Everyone's been traveling. No one's been sick. Uh, it's just been, uh, it's it's going to be rough, but we're here. We're here to guide you through it. I got excited during that break that it's Monday because I had, I mean, we briefly brought up the national championship tonight, uh-huh. but I had forgotten that I have squares for the national championship tonight, or, or a square, one square, but I got my numbers not great. I need I got Washington 9, Michigan 1, so not a whole lot of options in that. I need like a 21-9, I guess. I'm ready. Are you ready for something? We're the most honest show in Louisville Radio. Yeah. We're in the trust tree. Okay. No one judges anybody on the show. Sure. I've never known how that squares game works. Oh, my gosh, Mike. I've never done. So, I, one time I got, the first time that I ever heard about it was I used to get my hair cut when I was a kid growing up by this, like, this diehard Kentucky fan. Mm-hmm. We used to, like, battle over Kentucky versus Louisville. And it was probably, like, in sixth, seventh grade. He, he sold, like, Super Bowl squares. And, like, I just bought a few because I was like, whatever. I mean, I like, I've never done it since. And I don't like people always like show me their numbers and stuff. I've never understood how it works. All right, so I'll I'll try to break it down for you. So I'll use my dad's number for example. He's he got a really good one. So he has Michigan one and Washington four. So say the first half ends twenty one fourteen. Michigan's leading. Okay. My dad would win that square for that for the second quarter. Okay. Because he has Michigan one, Washington four. So it's the last number. Okay. Of the total number. So nine's bad. Nine is not great. Nine's not yeah. great. Yeah. No, I I need twenty one nine probably is what I'm looking at. Yeah, it's not great. But if if I can offer you a piece of advice, okay, the most fun squares game that you can do. I don't really enjoy the single game squares. People, a lot of people do it for the Super Bowl and this national championship as well. But where it gets really fun is doing squares for March Madness because you get you get 
all those games, and your numbers are the same for every game, and you never know what's going to happen in March Madness, but you're you pretty well win two, three games when it's all said and done. Makes it a lot of fun. I'm probably not going to do that. Well, probably. if you if you ever want Sorry. to in the future, if you're, I'm telling you, if you're going to do squares, do it for March Madness because okay. it's, it's a blast. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about tonight's national championship game at the uh, end of the hour. We will hear from you in between then on five five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. But we have to talk about we have not discussed. Louisville's very, very, very active weekend and beyond in the college football transfer portal. Uh, I mean, I, I did mention it in passing when we were talking about the Pitt basketball game that it was a nice little like rope that Jeff Brom was throwing or bone that Jeff Brom was throwing to all of us, getting I think three different transfer portal players to commit while Louisville's getting its brains beat, beat in by a bad Pitt team on its home floor. That was nice. But the weekend started with Friday, the guy that we knew was on campus, the big target of the weekend, Penny Boone. Just fun to say his name. Penny Boone. Mm -hmm. uh, the Toledo running back who was the MAC Offensive Player of the Year this past season. He did commit on his visit uh, on Friday. And I loved go, – go ahead. Tim. Why was he being recruited, Mike? Because of his fun name. He, he fits the fun name. Penny Boone. I, mean, yeah. I feel like I just can't call. I don't want to call him Penny. <laughs> I feel like every time he does something, like Penny Boone. I'm more apt to be uh, to do the whole Penny, Penny, like, like Kenny. See, I, uh, my dog's name is Penny, and I feel like I don't know. Just, <laughs> I feel like I say Penny whenever I'm saying Penny these days. It's because I'm mad because she's just she's <laughs> acting up. But Penny Boone was here on Friday, and the big news, the, the way that I kind of laid it out on on Thursday was, you're hearing that that Florida State really wants him to visit. That Florida State is is hoping that he's going to go from his visit to U of L on Friday to Tallahassee on Saturday for their visit, and so it felt like a situation where either the kid does what so many of these transfer portal players have done, which is commit during their visit while they're still on campus at U of L, or he's probably going to go to Florida State and commit there. I felt like if we let this thing go past Friday night, then there was a solid chance that he was going to go to FSU or somewhere else, and thankfully he does commit to Louisville on Friday. Uh, the other th part of this was Boone had previously announced that his final three schools were Louisville, Kentucky, and Florida State. So we had a lot of UK fans that were doing the whole, like, we we backed off, we didn't want him thing, which was, that's great. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But Toledo running back, MAC Offensive Player of the Year this past season after rushing for 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns on 194 carries. He also caught 15 passes for 219 yards and a touchdown. He goes by the nickname Baby Bus. Because he's got that big body, he's rumbling around. He's a big boy out there. I uh, love watching a, a guy that big be that fleet of foot. Shades of Michael Bush, maybe, but a, a guy that I think became more of a necessity, more of a must-have after last week's news of, of uh, Isaac Garendo announcing that he's going to be playing in the East-West Shrine game along with Jawar Jordan. You knew Jordan was gone. You, you'd heard kind of a there's a back and forth with Garendo. He's not sure if he wants to use that extra year of eligibility or not. It sounds like he's not going to. Which you know, you're happy to have Isaac Turner. You're happy to have Kewan Brown. You're happy to have the two incoming freshmen. But you need some. You need a workhorse back there. And, and getting Penny Boone, I, I think, is a big deal. So very excited to see the big boy rumbling next fall at Cardinal Stadium. Should be a lot of fun. Great job by Jeff Brom to go ahead and land this one. But he was just getting started. I don't even know if I have all of the names that we have from the last uh, 72 hours down. But I'm going to try. We got Dave McCullough from Oklahoma who at one point was the 19th-ranked safety in the country coming out of high school. This was just a couple years ago, a 2023 class. So last year, uh, played sparingly for Oklahoma this past season. He's coming. That's secondary help that you definitely needed. We get uh, Georgia Southern transfer offensive lineman Rasheed Miller. You need depth at that position as well. The other really big name from over the weekend was Juriente Davis, the linebacker from Texas A&M, 
who you know was a was a very capable player for them last year was getting a lot of attention from some big time power conference schools um six foot one 235 pounds we Land him during his visit over the weekend. What was his name? Juriente Davis. We got some great names on next year's How do you team. spell that? J U R R I E N T E. Juriente. That is fun. Yeah. yeah it's, it's fun to say. That's fun as Penny Boone, but it's fun. Uh, Tuskegee transfer wide receiver Antonio Meeks. Another wide receiver to enter that. To, to that. And then today, Tennessee transfer safety Wesley Walker, who. You know, some of these guys are you're doing this more for like building depth of the future. Maybe they're not going to see the field next year immediately, but they're guys that have been sort of reserves at their past school, and they're coming in. They may sit the bench next year, and then hopefully you can get them into the fold in two years. Wesley Walker, not the case. Uh, he, he was a very productive player for Tennessee these past two seasons. He was uh, fourth on the team in tackles. He was uh, had three and a half tackles for loss. He had a sack. He had two pass breakups and a forced fumble, um, fifth on the team in tackles two years ago. So a guy who played a lot of snaps at a big-time program. You love to have him in the fold. But Louisville was not done when it comes to targeting guys from the state of Tennessee. The news broke today that um, – oh, God, what's his name? The, the, the kid from Ole Miss now. I'm just completely blanking on his name. I didn't write it down. Um <laughs> Getting old sucks. This is where you know, this is where I've got all the different uh, the different names like kind of botched up here. Um, oh God! Now I'm just having to somebody help me out. Tennessee, Ole Miss, um, McDonald's his last name. Now I'm just completely. But anyways, um, <laughs> research <laughs> optional on this show. Yeah, exactly. The the kid from uh, from from Ole Miss and and Tennessee who had been committed to Ole Miss. This one, oh God, I'm just, now I can't find his name anywhere. Somebody help me out. Somebody. Does he even exist? Um, Many are wondering. Yes, he definitely does. <laughs> he definitely does. This is, I swear, I've got 75 names written down here, and I can't find the one that I need for the show. Um, uh, Tamarian McDonald. God, thank God. Tamarian McDonald, he's a Tennessee transfer. He's committed to Ole Miss right now, the other school that we're kind of battling with when it comes to Portal King status. And there's a, I think the guy from On3, Pete Nakos, has changed his, his prediction to a flip to Louisville. He had 116 total career tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, four interceptions. He plays kind of that that hybrid safety linebacker role. I think if you, what we used to call the star position or the card position, depending on who the head coach is, I think he's a guy that you bring in here and he, if Ben Perry does choose to stick, stick around at Louisville, which so far he's not entered the portal, he comes in, he probably competes with Ben Perry for the starting spot there. But Tamari McDonald is a Big, big time get if you're able to land him. Again, very productive player uh, at Tennessee. His addition, I mean, also is kind of symbolic because Louisville and Ole Miss have been the two most active teams in the portal. And I don't know if they've run out of NIL and we still have some left, but getting a kid that was going to go to Ole Miss is, uh, seems like a big deal. By the way, the top 10 transfer teams right now in the portal, according to On3, Louisville, number one in the country, ahead of Colorado, ahead of Ole Miss, ahead of South Carolina, ahead of Syracuse at number five. Um, part of that is the, the the quantity. Louisville has 21 transfers coming in, which actually is the most in the country. It's more than Colorado, who has 20. Ole Miss has 12. South Carolina uh, has 15. And Syracuse has 10. That's the top five right now. So, you know, quantity over quality there, if you're looking at this from the, you know, Colorado perspective. But Louisville does also have more four-star transfers coming in than any program in America with six. So, Jeff Brom, getting it done. Trevor and I have kind of disagreed on this, but I, I do think that this is just sort of the way it's going to be for Louisville under Brom. I think this is the way that he sees them 
being the most competitive is you know, this is the way that a program like Louisville gets old and stays old. The, the old adage about coaching and whether it's basketball, football, or what have you, programs want to get old and stay old. I, I think if Louisville was trying to do what they had been doing before Brom got here and recruiting, swimming in, in some high school waters that they haven't been swimming in before, getting low four, five-star, high four-star kids, the problem in today's world, especially now with the, the two-time transfer rule uh, being out the window, guys can just go whenever they want and be eligible immediately – is let's say you get a five-star kid that picks you over USC, Alabama, whoever, because you hooked him up with a big-time NIL deal. Well, if he sees the field immediately and is a star, he's going to demand more NIL money, or he's going to want to go to a place like Ohio State or, or what have you, where he can be eligible to play right there. And if he doesn't see the field immediately, he's probably going to want to transfer to somewhere where he can play immediately, and there'll be a lot of schools that can go after him. So, I think Brahm's philosophy for right now is take some high three-star kids, maybe the occasional four-star kid that you feel like, you know, maybe a couple of them can see the field as true freshmen or redshirt freshmen, but for the most part, they're going to be slowly brought along. They're committed to the program. They're committed to the system, and they'll see the field as a redshirt sophomore, as, as a true junior, something like that. And then your starters are, for the most part, going to be made up of guys that have been productive players at other programs and you plug and play and you trust your system you trust your coaching to get the most out of that uh, out of those groups I think that's the way it's going to be for the next couple of years it's not ideal for any fan we love getting to know these kids we love seeing players develop but I think that Brom feels like that's the best way for Louisville to be a team that can at least compete to get in this new 12-team playoff Agree or disagree, Scoots? Do you think that this is the right way for Jeff Brom to go about this? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we talked about that last time I was on with you, is the fact that this almost does feel like the way it's got to be. And in regards to learning the players and all that, just ask Kentucky fans how they feel about it in terms of basketball. I mean, they got to learn a whole new team every year, but they have success and they win a lot. So at the end of the season, they're having fun. You know what I mean? Sure, so Absolutely. Uh, one name that you're familiar with that Louisville was targeting is Jalen Lucas, the specially return man who was a running back at IU. Uh, he did commit to Florida State over the weekend. What? So, yeah, Louisville wanted him. How did Signetti not get him back? Didn't get him back. Yeah. That sucks. He wanted some money. It feels like Louisville, I mean, in the, the transfer portal, it definitely feels like Louisville keeps running into the same three teams, Ole Miss, Florida State, and Texas A&M. There's been a lot of overlap, and we've gotten some kids from Texas A&M who've been just straight transfers. We've competed with them for some portal guys. Ole Miss as well, Florida State as well. There's been a lot of back and forth. It's kind of an incestuous thing from those four schools. Kentucky's been involved a couple of times too. But it, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just a, a temporary thing for Jeff Brom, and he's going to, to stabilize moving forward. But I really and truly believe that unless the NCAA changes up its rules here and, and keeps this from being like free agency in the Wild West, whatever you want to call it, that this is what Jeff Brom's going to do. And if he has, look, it worked out pretty well in year one. If he comes back this year and has success and wins double-digit games again, maybe Louisville's competing for another trip to a conference championship game, competing for a spot in that college ball playoff, I think it's only going to continue. I, I think this is the way it's going to be. I've got a hypothetical for you that may sound a little ignorant, but if, there, if we weren't going to a 12-team playoff next year and we were staying at four for the foreseeable future – do you think Florida State going undefeated and getting left out of the playoff would have hurt them at all recruiting-wise? No. 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 I mean, I think that – I mean, it's it's easy for them now because it's like, hey, we've got this winning culture and we go undefeated. Now, in the future, we're going to get in the playoff. But if, that, if we were staying at four, I don't know. I just think you can make a case. Like, sure. No, absolutely. I mean, if you were making – 
especially with the the landscape already shifting as much as it is. If, if it were shifting to these super conferences next year and it was sticking sticking with a four team playoff, I think you would go to any recruit who's looking at not just Florida State, but who's looking at Louisville or Clemson and be like, you know, what are you doing? You know, you you've got no access to the playoff. You're not going to play in the biggest games. Every week is going to feel like a playoff in the SEC or the Big Ten, and the ACC is basically going to be reduced to group of five status. And now, if you're somebody who grew up respecting the brand of Florida State, you saw Jameis Winston win a national title there, you saw them you know, go to the first playoff or, or whatever, and you just you know, maybe you're a Florida kid that always grew up dreaming of playing for the Seminoles, you can say it doesn't matter if they get out of the ACC or not. Like You're going to get a chance to, to play on the biggest of stages. You're going to play probably a big non-conference game every year. You'll play Clemson in the ACC. You'll play in the conference championship game. And then even if you go undefeated and you're like the five seed, you're getting a shot to play in in, in the tournament. So I, I do think that it would be more of a like, – like this was a still a gigantic deal in college football. It's still being talked about now. But it's not the sort of seismic shift that it would have been had this, uh, this change not been coming next year. I think right. you're totally right. Because, um, yeah, you, you can you got access now. That you wouldn't have had otherwise, but I, I, Florida State, I think that they're they're using this to their advantage. They're trying to leverage their position. They're trying to get out of the ACC. But at the same time, I'm, I'd be like, you know, why? You can you probably have better access to the playoff now. And if you're as good as the best in the SEC in the Big Ten, you get a chance to prove it. Yep. Let's go back to the text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Actually, before we do, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention some sad news from the world of U of L men's basketball. I did mention it in passing at the beginning of the show, but it came out today. Jerry Jones. Longtime assistant who was here during the Denny Crum era, um, served alongside him for 24 years from 1973 to 1996. Damn. And then five more years on Crum's staff as a university relations assistant from 1996 to 2001. Passed away today at the age of 89. Um, it, it sort of feels fitting. I mean, he, he did, he was one of the eulogists at uh, the celebration of life for Denny Crum last year. But, you know, these two guys who were so connected for so long and helped uh, build the culture and the history and the you know take U of L men's basketball to an entirely different level. You know they passed away at certain uh, basically around the exact same time. He also worked with Denny Crum at as an assistant on the uh, '87 Pan American Games national team. Uh, was inducted into the U of L Athletics Hall of Fame in 1998. Was a you know a big part of U of L basketball taking that next step, going to five Final Fours winning the 1980 and 1986 national championships, and certainly he will be missed. Uh, Jerry Jones, 89 years old, still very good life. I'd sign up for 89. I would, I'd take 89, for sure. Uh, Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Here we go. Texture says, Shaka Smart should be the choice. Style of play and enthusiasm would be, would be a great fit for the fan base. Also says Classic Gill. <laughs> I, I was more on the Shaka bandwagon when... Chris Mack was the higher than I think most people were. I, I, you know, I, I get the lack of tournament success at Texas, and so far, you know, with a very limited sample size at Marquette, going out in the first round or second round last year, we'll see what he does this year. But I, I think Shaka, I agree with the texture. I think the style of play fits with what Louisville fans have grown accustomed to and what they what they like. I think the personality definitely fits with what Louisville fans like. He's, he's you know, definitely more of a bombastic type of coach both on the sidelines or on the court half the time and in post-game press conferences, I would have no problem whatsoever with Shaka Smart coming here. I I know that you can point to the, the lack of tournament success at Texas. I stand by the fact that I think Texas is DL kind of a hard place to win. I, I think that it's I think it's a it's a tough place to be a big time failure at, 
but it's a tough place to win at the level that they expect without getting the, the type of support that big-time programs get. Man, right? I think Beard would have done that, though, if he would have stayed seemed, out of trouble. He seemed to be on the road to yeah. doing just that. But again, like I, I think Beard's the real deal from a coaching perspective. There's no question. But I think Shaka could be as well. I think at a place like Louisville, I think he could have a ton of success. I don't know if he would jump from Marquette this quickly because Marquette's, Marquette's more like Louisville than Texas is from a basketball point of view. They don't have the, the the type of money that Louisville does. I think Louisville financially is more like Texas when it comes to resources and, and all that stuff. But basketball is the show at Marquette. Basketball, they're in a basketball conference. The the fan base is is there win or lose. Like Texas, it's you know, basketball is it's not even secondary at, at Texas. Like they just they don't care that much. They, the home crowds aren't great when you're great. The home crowds aren't great when you're bad. There's well, a lot a lot of money there, but they just don't have that type of support. What would you think would be secondary at Texas? Volleyball, I mean, I think everything. Baseball, I think football. Spring football, <laughs> <laughs> you know, football recruiting that's news. That's a good point. Yeah. It's it, it's yeah, it's, everything is three or four spots below football at Texas. Texas man, I think Beard is a great coach, but it would be hard to root for a guy accused of domestic violence, uh, convicted or not. It doesn't matter to me. It's yeah, I, I mean, it's. it's You'd have to get some sort of complete clarity on that situation, which I don't know how easy that would be to do. But there have been – there's other stuff that is out there about Beard that you'd have to – I think if you hire a consultant again, they're going to have to do some digging or you're going to have to do it yourself to, to find out how significant that is or not. Texas, I finally figured when uh, out when rock bottom will be. It's when we start Zan Payne after two more people get injured. That will be the end. <laughs> Zan Payne's still getting meaningful minutes. Can I – like? I know that we've all checked out from actual basketball X's and O's talk, but something that I, I tweeted out and it kind of got more love than I thought it was going to do at, at the very end of the game on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Why is Hersey Miller not playing more? I, I get that he's got limited upside. I get that he's not a player who's Louisville's caliber in a quote-unquote normal situation, but my God, the, the guy gets in at the very end of games – he plays his ass off. He, he defends in that minute and a half. He plays harder defense than I see from any of our players when they're in at the beginning of games. He seems like he makes a three every single time he shoots one. We have no shooters on this team outside of Mike James and Curtis Williams occasionally. He's He doesn't turn the ball over. He plays He's kind of a boring point guard, but, but we could use a little bit more boring. I don't know why he's not getting meaningful minutes, especially right now when we're so reduced uh, to, to seven scholarship players and we're having to give walk-ons some some meaningful time. I don't get why he was playing mean, meaningful minutes last season, and he just cannot sniff a meaningful minute this year. It doesn't make any sense to me. Coaching, uh, that's coaching, weird. Mike. I just thought it was weird that he kept being referred to as Alexander Payne during the game on Saturday by the announcing crew. I'm like, just call him Zan. We all know, we all know it's Zan. We all know it's great. Texas says, if you could have Payne on your show, would you? Of course. Why not? I think anytime you can get the head coach of basketball or football or you know, women's basketball or baseball or whatever, like you, you would do it. I would love to have Kenny Payne on the show. We'd have to limit his time, though, so <laughs> people wouldn't fall asleep while driving home. I mean, I would like to think that we could make it exciting. I mean, I, <laughs> I loved having Rick Pitino on the show back in the day. He was always, you know, if you, sometimes you had to ask him some tough questions, especially when we had some um, going, we're going through some stuff. Chris Mack coming on the show was always was always good. I felt like we did a good job. Um, you know, John would ask him, kind of like you know, he, he sort of lay the foundation for me to to come in with a, maybe a more challenging question. Have and, y'all ever tried to get Kenny on? Or you yes. let Trevor scare him away? Well, no, Trevor's not 
Trevor doesn't do anything. Trevor, Trevor's not asking anybody to come on the show. Uh, but yeah, I, I have. It is not. No, has not been received well. We, we've had Jeff on the show. We've had uh, Jeff Walls on the show. Oh, we've Jeff. Had, Jeff's easy. We've had Dan McDonald on the show. Yeah, we would love to have Kenny Payne on the show. We didn't have Chris Mack uh, on the. We were going to have him on the first year we were here, and then things got dicey, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and and it was right when they like the suspension thing happened. You didn't want to interview him about the Gaudio audio. I would have loved to talk about the Gaudio audio. I don't think he wasn't going to do interviews during <laughs> that time. I think he was instructed by the the powers that be to not come on shows like ours, which is fine. Texas says, any thoughts on Todd Golden as a candidate? Um, you know how I feel about Todd Golden. Where's he at now? He's in Florida. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I knew that. I don't think you can hire Todd Golden right now. First of all, he's he's younger than I am, which I don't care for. I, I, I don't like seeing that. I mean, you're not that young anymore, Mike. I'm not, but still, like, I'm not that old either. Like, I, I want you of When David Padgett, I think David's like, a, like six months younger than I am. When he was the head coach for like five years ago, I was like, I thought I had like a full decade left before we were getting coaches that are younger than me. I thought we weren't in that area yet, and I'm still not ready for it just yet. I still want somebody in their 40s just so it can be somebody older than I am. But Golden, not only is he a year younger than me, but he looks like he's about 15 years younger than me. Like he looks like he's 25. He, he's he's very very young. He also I don't think like I like Nerdball. I, I I like that he what he did at San Francisco I thought was fantastic. But he's not done enough at Florida right now I think to justify getting a bump. I mean they they went to the NIT last year. Um, they look like they're potentially an NIT team again this year. I know they played Kentucky tough over the weekend, but you know it's it's at home. That was a game where you'd think that UK, with as many freshmen as they have and having not played in a true road environment, might have been ripe for the picking. If you're going to get them, that's the time to get them, and they they didn't get them. So I don't, I don't know how I have no idea how good Florida is. They got a bunch of transfers, so Todd Golden would be a very very tough sell right now. I like him, but I don't think you can buy him. To keep the reaction or the uh, comparisons going, he kind of looks like David Padgett. No, he's a lot smaller. Well, I mean, yeah, he's David Padgett's huge. They both have great hair for yeah. people in their late 30s. Maybe that's what it is. It's a similar hairstyle. He looks so young. He does. He's so young. But they were the first team that I saw that would do the – they would take advantage of the the analytics and fouling at the end of games in San Francisco, which I thought was was fascinating. Like They would be – they'd be up by one with like 39 seconds left, and they would foul a bad free throw shooter at BYU because they're like, the statistics say that, you know – He's probably going to miss at least one, and you have the chance for a last shot. You like you, it minimizes your potential of losing the game and regulation and all this stuff. It was just kind of fascinating to hear how they all played it out, and it, more times than not, it worked for him. He turned South Florida into a or Central uh, San Francisco. I mean, to a team that went to the NCAA tournament and was was damn good. Played a great game against Murray State. Texas, a lot of talk about the coaching candidates. Why is Kelvin Sampson not being mentioned by more? Is he too old? Is he unattainable? Or is there something I'm missing? Unattainable. Unattainable is the thing. Mm-hmm. If you can get Kelvin Sampson, my God. Yeah, that, that's – I talk about Scott Drew being as close to a home run hire as you could reasonably get. Kelvin Sampson would be in that same boat. But he's – I mean, he is up there in age. I still think if you can get him, you can get 10 good years out of him, maybe like 8 to 10. Sure wish it was Indiana. You had to poach him from. God, I know. I mean, he's he's a great coach. And it seems silly that his scandal, if you want to call it that, was texting <laughs> texting kids after midnight when it wasn't allowed, uh, which now is – it was a rule that was like – obsolete a year later and he still got yep. punished for it and Indiana got raked over the coals for it but Kelvin Sam I, I don't think he's leaving Houston anytime soon especially now with them joining the Big 12 he's got like if he was going to leave Houston it would have to be a situation where they got kind of tired of him and they wanted to force him out and I don't think that's happening anytime soon but if we could get him yeah I'm, I'm 100% behind that 
Let's take our last break. When we come back, uh, we'll take some text from you guys, and then we'll talk about tonight's national title game. Scoots and I will make some picks. It's all going down. It's the final statement of the Mike Rutherford Show, and it's next here on 1450 I'm trying to think of the era. It's like 09, I want to say. This is college scoots? Uh, this was actually Trevor. Oh, this is Trevor music. Yeah. That's shocking. I told him, well, I did, we didn't really discuss the music for today, but I, I, I sent him a text earlier. I was like, hey, make sure you send me music for today. And he said he'll send me music for today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. And then, of course, Thursday's Country Thursday, and I, I got that one. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. So, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out his music for today because it was – I don't know if there was a theme. There was – if you listen to the lyrics, it kind of seems like there's a theme, but I can't pick up on it. I liked it. it was, uh, that's yeah. why I assumed it was not Trevor. But <laughs> Sorry, Trevor, I know you're listening. Uh, we, I, I saw the clip during the, the break, which I guess had gone viral a couple hours ago. There was a local news in Green Bay was doing a, a live hit from outside Lambeau Field, and Jair Alexander runs up and does like has puts sunglasses on. He's like, "Back is back, baby!" And like does this like little move, and the 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 woman who's the the, the anchor or the the news reporter on scene is like, "You heard it there from a fan. The pack is back." Oh <laughs> my gosh! Not, no way! Not recognizing Jair Alexander. We do have uh, ten former Louisville players now that the NFL playoffs are set. Ten former Louisville players will be participating in this year's NFL playoffs. You've got Malik Cunningham and Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. You've got Sheldon Rankins and Jonathan Grenard with the Texans. Jaron Christian is with the Browns. Teddy Bridgewater, as mentioned before, is the backup quarterback for the Lions. Yaya Diaby having a fantastic rookie season with the Buccaneers. Tutu Atwell and Russ Yeast are both playing for the Rams. And then Jair Alexander with the Packers. So plenty of chances to see former cards in action. Most of those guys are, are playing active roles. Certainly Lamar. Uh, Sheldon, Grenard, uh, Yaya Diaby, Tutu, Russ Yeast is playing, and, and then Jair with the Packers. So a lot of chances to see cards in action coming up these next few weeks. Hopefully some of them, especially Teddy, get to play deep in the playoffs. Let's get it done. Lions also, I mean, I was kind of hoping there was a part of me that was hoping for the sat- one of the Saturday games just to like, I don't want to wait. I don't, you know, it's, it's longer wait, but Sunday night, ugh, the NBC game, such it's kind of like the spotlight game. I know the, the Eagles and Buccaneers get Monday night all to themselves, but Sunday night after that whole action, like I'm just the the nerves are already adding up. I I feel like I'm just preparing to have my heart broken, Scoots. I don't know how I feel about it. Emotional hedge. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm very very nervous. We've got a national championship game tonight as well. We'll discuss that coming up at the end of this uh, this segment. Before we do that, I want to get to you guys on the Thornton's text line at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Uh. I feel like we should just kind of like rename the Thornton's text line, like the Thornton's coaching search text line, because it's just it's going to be this way for the next nine weeks or so until Louisville goes ahead and makes a move. But whatever. Texture says, Mike, is there a nightmare scenario where we keep KP for a third year? Probably. Yeah, run through the ACC tournament and get a tournament bid. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. I I think. Anything barring a miracle turnaround where Louisville finishes with like a winning record is 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 not going to there's there's not going to be a third year for Kenny Payne. But there are some people who think otherwise, and I don't know. Like I, 
I can't pretend to know the inner workings of what's going on at U of L. If if it's you know if Josh Hurd or people above him thinks a certain way, and you know maybe this his hands are tied, or maybe Josh doesn't want to make the move. I don't know, but everything that I've heard publicly, everything that I believe privately would indicate that, uh, uh, barring something unforeseen taking place over the two months ahead, that Kenny Payne will be out after this year. Texas says, I've got soul, but I'm not a shoulder. Yeah. Texas says, uh, we are most definitely missing the SEC-ACC challenge the second year in a row, another streak that we're beginning. Now, I do think that, I don't know if it's this way with the SEC challenge, but it was this way with the Big Ten challenge back in the day. If a team missed out because they were the last place team one year and they finished last again the next season, they still would get to play in the challenge because they don't. They, they tried to keep it from being the same team left out a couple years in a row. Because I think Boston College finished last in the, in the ACC like three years in a row, and they only missed the challenge once. So I, I think that we'll be in the challenge next year unless they just change up the the rationale. And also, like, well, the SEC is expanding next year, so they'll have more teams in the ACC anyway. So. Your text is wrong. We're good. We're back in the SEC Challenge. Louisville basketball is fine. We will not be getting the loan. What was the? What was that a TV show? The uh, Designated Survivor? We're not going to be the Designated Survivor anymore. Who's joining the ACC? The, the ACC? Yeah. Uh, Stanford and, and SMU. Oh, that's and right. Cal. Okay, yeah. So we're going to 18. They're going to 18. Aren't you all at – oh, I guess it is 15. We're 15 now, in, yeah. in, in basketball. Notre Dame, yeah. That's I right. I think they're too good for football. <laughs> This is Ryan Burr of the CW, the guy who called the game on Saturday, actually came to the CW by way of the Golf Channel. He did a great job. I'm seeing more and more play-by-play guys from other walks of life coming to college basketball. Like the last two Saturdays on CBS, John Sadak, who does the Reds games, has been doing CBS college basketball with Bill Raftery. And it's just like I'm I'm so used to only hearing his voice call Reds games that I can't take it seriously when I'm like listening to him call Marquette versus Providence or whatever it was. Like it's just you know, it, it feels weird hearing Sadak do basketball games. Texas says Howard's been back from Michigan for about a month as their head coach. He had Martelli coach yesterday because the game was in Philly and they lost to a bad Penn State team. All time weird move and very telling that Howard is done. Michigan's a pretty good job that will likely also be open up after the offseason. Yeah. I mean it's We think so? I don't I don't know. I think he's still there. I think he's done. I think after this I mean, if there's more to the health issues than we're being told, then yeah, maybe. Well, health issue, and then also this is the second time he's gotten into a fight with somebody that's gotten him suspended. So that's, I think, probably the bigger deal. And the team hasn't been good since his... Yeah. Like, there was a... They lost to Indiana, for God's sake. Yeah. Like, (laughs) when... Two years ago, when it was first being talked about that Kenny Payne was, like, the front runner for the job, if Chris Mack got let go, I, I went on kind of a rant talking about the reasons why I didn't think it was going to work... And one of the big things, somebody sent me this clip like a few weeks ago. One of the things that I was was harping on was one, Calipari assistants suck, and then then two, players going back to be head coaches at the school that they played at in college has typically gone horribly. And I, I was kind of running through the list, and you know Isaiah Thomas and Chris Mullen at the time, Penny Hardaway, and was not doing well. Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, like all these names, and then the one name that I was kind of saying is sort of an outlier is Jawan Howard at Michigan because he had that really good first year. Mm-hmm. And now you look at it and you're like, eh, it's kind of another one. Like Penny Hardaway has picked it up at Memphis. They they're good this year. They were good enough last year to to be in the NCAA tournament in an eight nine game. Probably should have beaten Florida Atlantic. But Jawan Howard is no longer that outlier that you point to and say, hey, he's he's done it. He's doing a great job because it's been pretty bad for the last uh, last three years. Texas Mike, should I a lifelong Lions fan 
spend the $700 get-in price to drive up to Detroit on Sunday from Northern Kentucky and then back after the game. I have to work Monday morning. Everything points to no, but I really want to do it. Buddy, I mean, I can't make that decision for you. I wouldn't do it. If you really just want to like be there, but you feel like you can't afford to spend the $700, just drive up there and like hang out. Like, like, there'll be bars, I'm sure, all around the stadium. Where they'll be packed with Lions fans. You can still tailgate before the game. Do all that, but just seven hundred dollars for a crap seat is that that that's an awful toll price to pay. And if you got to be back Monday morning, I mean, probably easier to leave if you're at one of the surrounding bars. I know you just like you want to have the experience of being there, but I don't know. I can't recommend it. Have just you ever wa- been- just watch it on TV and enjoy it? Have you ever been to a playoff game, Scoots? Never a playoff game, no. But I've been to, I want to say, two Steelers-Colts games up in Indy, and then I've been to three games in Pittsburgh as well. So I've been to my fair share of NFL games. Nice. And, of course, well, when I was living down in Jacksonville, I saw a couple of theirs as well, which well, people were throwing those tickets at you. Dude, I've only been to two. NFL's a different beast. It like, is. Like, NFL games are compl- – it is animalistic there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's unreal. Texas, I have no idea how some fans are still trying to find positives in the team and the coaching staff. Can I just borrow some of that positivity for my own outlook on life? Yeah, these are the people that I just, you know, I can't do it in basketball, but I wish I had your mentality in all walks of life where it's like, you know, I'm just, it's a, it's raining poop, but at least I enjoy like the, uh, the cold for a brief moment when it hits your body. Like that's just, these people are, they're wonderful, but for something like this, I, I feel like you just, you know, at some point, you have to see it for what it is, which is not good. Texas, I need another portal update. We just keep getting guys. Yeah, we just, we gave that to you. Texas says, I know he isn't here, but damn, other Texter is right about Trevor's NBA takes. It's just astounding how bad they are. He has to be trolling. <laughs> he's not trolling. He's very serious about his NBA takes. I can't remember what some of the other ones are, but he's been... The NBA takes get smacked around more than I think anything else that he says, which is it's always fun. Texas, I'm hammering McNeese State minus 19 and a half tonight. If Wade can't cover that spread, we can't hire him because I know he doesn't respect the cash. Need someone who can handle NIL appropriately. I've got no idea who McNeese State is playing tonight, but if they're 19 and a half point favorites, I don't know. It's, it's big... Where's Will Wade at? LSU? Still? No, McNeese State. Oh, he is at McNeese. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm with you. Okay. They're 12 and 2. They're 1 and 0 in the Southland. Misread that. They play Northwestern State tonight, who is terrible. Um, the. Northwestern State is two and twelve. They're number three fifty-seven on Ken Palm. The Demons having a rough year, but uh, nineteen and a half is still a large number to cover. I don't know. It's an away game. I'm not, I'm not betting McNeese State, Northwestern State. I'm, I'm not that low <laughs> Me yet. Either. It's like I say that I'm going to go home and be like ten dollars. Texas says Trevor is right about Taylor Swift. She's normal looking, but it makes her success that much more impressive. I think she's above average looking yeah, for sure. Same. I think she's attractive. <clears throat> Not good enough for Trevor, though. <laughs> Trevor Who is? Trevor only wants dimes. If, if she's a 9.5... It's all Trevor deserves is dimes. He's not turning his head. He's not moving around. we got to get Trevor to speed dating at the quarry. we got to get him speed dating somewhere. Actually, if it's anywhere but the quarry, I might join him. But I, I feel like one of you needs to find love. So, cause I, I think it will really put the pressure on the other one. Like If you... if Let's say Trevor began seriously dating somebody over the summer. I feel like that would be tough for you. No, I'd be so happy for him. Well, you, yeah, you but, have no idea. But you'd also be like Trevor found love. Yeah, but at the same time, I would look at the life I have and I'm like, oh, I have freedom. Trevor doesn't have freedom anymore. 
I think Trevor. That's a terrible way to put it. <laughs> I would love. I'd love to believe that Trevor would be just as happy for you. I don't think he would be. I think Trevor would be like, "Scoots, found like I've got to get out." There. I think it would motivate him. For That's sure. what I'm saying. Like I, I think that like you. But him getting a woman's not going to motivate me. We well, th- that's why I think we need you to get off your ass. Like we may need you to find love t- for Trevor to finally get out there and do something. Because I don't think it's gonna. I mean, we've tried a couple of times, tried a different route, couple of different routes. If twenty twenty four is gonna be the year of love for Trevor Kelsey, I think it has to be the year of love for Scooter Dingus. Mm, I don't know if twenty twenty four Scooter Dingus is ready. Twenty twenty four? It's been long enough, Scoots. It's time. It's been. Man, I guess we're going on thirteen years now. It's time. <laughs> it's time. It needs to happen. Because yeah, then I think uh, then I think it would put the pressure on Trevor. Man, that. if I went back and I told sixteen year old me that you were going to be single for thirteen years, I, what? Like, that's crazy. Wait, you're only twenty nine? No, I am. No, I mean I I wasn't. I got single when I was twenty two. Okay, that was the last relationship I okay, had. That's so yeah, no, I'm thirty five, thirty four. I almost said thirty five. I will be thirty five. Spring chicken. That's right. Plenty of time. But let's make this the year. It's time. Big X love. We'll see. Depends on who who walks in front of me. Texas, where would Scoots rank Dan Dockich among the greatest players in the history of Indiana basketball? Uh, he did shut down Michael Jordan, and he'll tell you about it every chance he gets. Of that video that's out there, where it's like he did not shut down Michael Jordan. He is not getting in the rankings for Scoots. I did love somebody calling out the Dan Dockich burner. He's a clown. Somebody, There was another burner story that came out today where it was, oh, um, uh, Travis Ford. His son has been creating, got caught creating all these burner accounts to like go fight with St. Louis fans about how great of a job his, his dad's doing coaching. <laughs> it's been a great year for discovering burner accounts already. We had the uh, the Ole Miss uh, assistant coach who very clearly got caught creating an account that was like acting like this Penn State fan that was overhearing all these Penn State people talking crap about Ole Miss players and how bad they were. And then someone tracked down the email that it was to and found that it was <laughs> the email name matched a Ole Miss staffer. And then after oh. they after they won the game, like Lane Kiffin admitted it at the post game press conference. He's like, "Yep, yeah, that was a uh, you know, one of our guys was trying to motivate our players." And like, he'd retweeted it a couple of times, and he just like <laughs> thought it was funny. Which I guess it's a lot easier to joke about when you've just won the game, when you've won the, the Cotton Bowl or whatever they were playing. Some kind and, of stuff that's going to give players trust issues. I mean, they should have trust issues. It's all it, it's it's all crap. But there've been some great burners uh, burner stories already. But we need yeah maybe some more burners. Maybe we can find like a Trevor Kelsey dedicated burner. <laughs> I'm just gonna create one. Trevor's never going to find a girl. Just get him out there and doing something. <laughs> Texture says, uh, right there, oh, this is KRC text. Right there with you, TJ, on the Cal has changed talk. Were they talking about that? Is this a... Uh, yeah, no, there's just, there's people saying that he's changed his ways. That's why he's having success now, and it's just ignorant. What's he doing? He's going out with Matt Jones again? Taking shots at Jones? Is that what I heard? <laughs> I don't. I haven't heard that. No. I thought. I thought he made some sort of comment about how he doesn't talk down to the fan base, but he does talk oh, down to, yeah, he, to a member of the media. He did say something along those lines. Yeah. Cal versus Jones. <laughs> hmm. uh, Trevor did text me and said, "Every time Scoots brags about being single and loves his freedom, Gil dies a little inside." <laughs> TJ actually asked me at the end of last week when. Gil and I will no longer live together. Oh, God. And I was like, I probably when one of us gets like a serious relationship, but I just, I don't know that that happens anytime soon. He's not really look. I mean, he's, I guess he's looking more than me. He'll come home and talk about a cute girl at work or something. I, I don't, I just, I don't know. Gil's more active than you are? I mean, not really. He's had a, he's had a relationship in the last couple of years. I haven't, so. How'd that go? 
Did you guys like triple date? Oh no! Oh god, no! No, she was she was kind of strange actually. She came over a couple times, and it was one of those things where I'd be in the living room, and if me and Gil are both home, we'll be sitting in the living room. But when she came over, oh, it was straight to the uh, bedroom, and uh, they they did not come out for hours and hours and hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, a part of me doesn't really want him to get a girlfriend because that would I'd be lonely. That that would that would probably that would motivate, motivate you me. more than yeah, Trevor. Yeah, for sure. We got the, the, Gil's the first domino. Yeah, if you if you get Gil's domino to fall, then Trevor's domino will f- shortly f- or fall shortly after, and then maybe me. He's like the head zombie. Yeah, okay, we got to get him first. <laughs> Texas says any potential news on the volleyball front? Any transfers? Transfer portal? Uh, not heard on the volleyball front yet. I did see that two of the the ladies that we signed uh, that are incoming freshmen made the Under Armour uh, like All American game. So that's good news. I think nice. that was the last piece of volleyball news. But I mean, we're getting a decent amount back from last year, especially with Anna DeBeer. Your two best players are coming back. Anna DeBeer's coming back? She's coming back. One last year. She's coming back. Last How many years year. has she been in college? Well, this was her fourth. She's using the COVID year as her fifth. So this will be it. Holy moly. And I that, guess, I mean, in volleyball, what comes after college? So I might as well stay in. Like every now and then you'll see, like I saw Anna Stevenson and, um, um, uh, Troy Dilfer, after they finished Louisville like the last couple of years, they've been every now and then the volleyball account will post some highlights from like their they're playing like the professional league, mm-hmm. and you can tell it's just it's not like there's no fans there. Yeah. It's just like it's. I, I mean, it's the same thing with like softball. Exactly. There's I, really nowhere to go. I feel like the best players will play for a couple of years and then realize like it's not a way to make a living, and then they get into coaching and they come back because college college volleyball is where all the money is. There's actually there's and actually USA volleyball, I guess. a girl on our church league softball team who got drafted. I want to say like tenth overall to the softball league. Then she went out there and was making like twenty five thousand dollars, and yeah, she quick quickly gave it up. That's the way. I mean, I had buddies who played minor league baseball for a while, and if you're not a, like a, a big time signing bonus baby, it's not like you have to have a off season job. Like mm-hmm. it, it's very tough to just grind it out and, and get a chance to, even if you're getting up all the way to AAA. Like it's just it's not it's not a lot of money there. But uh, you getting Anna DeBeer back and getting Atlanta Scott back, you're two All Americans. Like Louisville should be, be right back there in the mix again next season. Yeah, that's huge. Texas says uh, the current get-in price for the Rams at Lions wildcard game is $601 now. It's the most expensive wildcard game on record in league history. The seats in Detroit are nearly double the rest of the playoff games. Come on, Detroit. Act like you've been there before. Come on, man. It's been it's been 36 years. Give us a break. Texas, my guess is Stanford and Cal will be left out of the ACC-SEC challenge. Use minimizing travel for ESPN's precious SEC teams as the excuse. 18 ACC teams versus 16 SEC teams. Is it 16 SEC now next year? I thought it was going to go to 18. I could be wrong. I can't keep up. So, it, so yeah, they'll be at 16. So we'll still have two teams left out. We're not getting left out again next year. We're fine. We're going to be good. Texter says, um, amazing yet horrible scenario for Louisville fans. Ravens and Lions play in the Super Bowl. Goff gets injured. It's Lamar and Teddy playing for it all. Also, <laughs> Kenny Payne could save a burning bus filled with children and win the national title, and I don't want him back next year. I mean, it's not that's not a disaster. It's a disaster scenario for me because like I would I hate having to cheer against Lamar, but either Lamar or Teddy are winning a Super Bowl in that scenario. Yeah, it'd be Teddy would. He's already announced this is his last year. He's retiring after this season. What a way to go out! Um, that would be fun, especially since Teddy. I feel like is Teddy's destined to be is destined to be remembered as sort of a what if story because he you know he wins the job as a rookie in Minnesota halfway through the season plays really well. His second year goes to the playoffs. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. It seems like the Vikings have every piece necessary that they're viewed as one of the best Super Bowl contenders going into his third year. And then he just not just gets hurt, but like just has a 
injury where they almost have to cut off his leg it's so bad to his knee. Like he's never the same player after that. He gets a couple of uh, of starting jobs, but is never like this dynamic downfield thrower. Um, like I, I feel like that's he's destined to be remembered as sort of a what if he never had the injury type guy, which sucks. But still, tenure in NFL career made a lot of money. He's going to go into coaching next. He says he wants to be a high school coach. There are worse lives for sure. Teddy's a, he's done it well. He's had a good had a good run. Texas said Chris Beard is the clear cut option out there that will produce wins immediately. I think he'll win, but I don't know if he's the clear cut option. Texas, the CW curse doesn't even work for KP. That being said, do you wet your hands before washing them? Put soap on them first, and then wet your hands as you wash them. Anything to avoid basketball talk. What do you do, Scoots? As far as like, we've got the the liquid soap in here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big like. I get the soap in my hands first. I, 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 I take it back. I wet my hands first, get a little soap, wash it around. That's what I do. Yeah, I'm the same. You just got to have you gotta mm-hmm. have a wetness there. Yep. Got to get ready for it. It's like... Catch well, going dry. I mean, it's like not putting water on your toothbrush before you brush your teeth. That's just psycho behavior. Yeah, I totally agree. Everybody should wet their toothbrush. And before you, you wet your toothbrush, put the paste on, wet it again, then ne- brush your teeth. Never been more in alignment with something in my life. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. And then I do the... Um, Spit, spit, swallow. <laughs> I'm not going on. I'm not going there with you. <laughs> uh, you got to do both. You got to mix it up. Texas says, uh, you tell him, Trev usually hits the cough button for me. He says, my bad, I got you next time. Exactly nine <laughs> seconds later, he proceeds to let your cough go over the airwaves again and not hit the cough button. In all fairness, I didn't know that one was coming. <laughs> <laughs> says, it's often we hear coach so-and-so has forgotten more basketball than any of us have ever forgotten. Perhaps Kenny has, in fact, forgotten all that basketball, and that's how we've gotten here. That's a good text. Texas, the question regarding Beard is, why didn't the Texas state prosecutor pursue charges against Beard, even if his wife didn't want to, because the domestic uh, charges the state has jurisdiction to do so, even if the victim doesn't want to stay as a way to vet issues of Stockholm Syndrome and are also victims not wanting to press charges out of fear? I think in this case, like... It'd be very difficult to press charges when the only other person that was in the house at the time is saying that nothing happened. Like, y- yes, they have the ability to go forward, but if she's not willing to speak up and, and testify against him or give a statement against him, then what case do you really have? Mm-hmm. Unless there's video evidence or she had distinct markings on her face, and even then, it would be tough to, if she wanted to say, "Hey, I fell on the steps," it'd be very, it's very tough to pursue charges when you've got nobody corroborating the story. Texas, I like Morgan State, NC Central, Howard, Mississippi Valley State, and McNeese State to all cover tonight. Shout out to the MIAC. Getting it done on, you know, going up against the national championship. Is that game. the same texter that suggested McNeese no, State different the first one. time? Different Whoa. One. Texas Scoots is only 34. Based on his voice, I assumed he was in his mid 50s. <laughs> what the hell's that mean? Texas says classic ill. <laughs> people, I don't know if you caught this. People love texting in classic ill to the show when you're not yeah. even here. No, I hear it. It makes yeah. me laugh a lot. <laughs> Texas that I always just assume Scoots and his roommate were a couple. No. No. Nope. Despite the the nickname, they are not. <laughs> Texas says, um, that's a good point. Thank you. All right, let's talk about tonight's national championship game. It is Michigan versus Washington. Big time storylines either way. I mean, it's the, this is technically like in 24 hours, this will be a Big Ten game because these two teams are, yeah. are going to be in the same conference starting next year. It is the last game before the entire landscape of the of the sport shifts. You're going to have these two SEC and Big Ten mega conferences. The Big 12 will be there expanding. The ACC is holding pat for now. But it's also the last game before we move into the 12-team playoff era. Michigan is a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. They've been number one for 
a large chunk of the season than the number one seed in this. I do like that it's come down to the two undefeated teams. I think that's a, it's, it's a just way to end the season. Um, Washington, very exciting. I think people are wondering if that offense can can do what it's done all year against a Michigan defense that's been pretty pretty suffocating all season long. Scoots, one question: Who are you rooting for? Second question: Who do you think gets it done tonight? Who am I rooting for? It's obviously going to be Washington, just because of Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer, both yeah. those guys spending time at Indiana. Which fun fact: Indiana gets a national championship regardless tonight because Jack Tuttle, our quarterback from last year, is the backup at Michigan. You basically so, won it already. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm rooting for Washington. I think that you heard me scoff at that number, five and a half, way too many for the Huskies. I'm going to be slamming Washington, which means Michigan probably covers. I'm actually going with Washington, too. I, I kind of liked – I liked whoever won the Washington-Texas game to beat whoever won the Alabama-Michigan yeah, game. Same. Um, I, I'll be shocked if the offense doesn't put up like any sort of numbers against the Michigan defense. I'll be also shocked if Washington blows them out because they play. I think each of their last ten games have been decided by ten points or fewer, mm-hmm. and eight of those have been one score games. I'm gonna say it's an exciting game. I'm gonna say it comes down to the final, uh, the end there. I'm gonna say Washington just enough offense to pull this thing out. I'm gonna say Washington 33, Michigan 28. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna take Washington alt line them up to half point. Call it a day. Let's get it done. All right, I'm on the AC Network in 15 minutes. If you want to watch that, talking some Cardinal sports. If not, enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll see you guys back here at three o'clock tomorrow. Go Cards.